Welcome one and all to episode 54 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat for this late night edition of Scum and Villainy, it's Noah to George. How you doing, buddy? How late is it, Garrett? <laughs> too late. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's not too late. It's never too late. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, been a very long, very uh, fun filled day at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we are now complete with day two. Um, uh, you and I uh, watched uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi independently, as we always do, but at very different times. <laughs> yes, very, I, very yeah, different times. Very different times. I watched it last night with a big group of friends, which was a lot of fun. I'd never really done anything like that since... Um, Mando episode one back when back in that day uh, uh, with uh, some of my roommates. So you, you were one of them. Uh, so that was fun to be able to see it with a group of friends. But you worked. Uh, and so you were like, nah, dude, midnight today watching two was, hours of Kenobi. Today was the longest day. I was just like, oh, I've got nothing to do except look forward to Kenobi. Yeah. Just the whole day. Well, we are not going to digress here, mostly because you want to go to bed. I also want to go to bed, but uh, to help me through this, Noah, got a, a little Red Bull action to yeah, keep got me a, going. I was I was gonna clink together some ice cubes, but they've all melted. But I've got I've got my three things. I was prepared. I got three things. Like one, I got a Coca Cola. Okay? Number one. Two, I got my bottle of Tums. Okay. <laughs> Because when I stay up really late, I get reflux. And three, I got my best bud to talk about Kenobi with. Dude, I'm telling you right now. all a guy needs. I'm telling you right now. We'll get into it more when we were uh, doing celebration. But I've just, I've, I've missed my buddy. I've yeah. missed him this celebration. And it's great that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be talking all the news. We've got Fallen Order, Andor. Uh, so many things so I played I played uh, I played a little bit of Star Wars Hunters we got really? we got we got stuff to discuss but um out of all of those things obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi is the big ticket so in the coming days probably Monday I think is what we decide on Memorial Day you and I are going to get together and do a news roundup of everything we're not going to have a main topic that day it's going to be all news which means we've got an entire show to talk about Kenobi. We've got no news today that we're going to discuss. We are dedicating this entire episode. Who knows how long it'll be? I'm not even going to guess anymore because I feel like I'm going <laughs> to jinx us. Uh, but I have... It's funny. I've been like talking to people at, at Celebration, and I just like keep going with Kenobi. I just keep talking about it. And I'm just like, oh man, it's going to be tough when I'm actually like on air to just shut up about this show. But thankfully... We've got lots of time to dive into this episode. So, Noah, you and I have given a lot of our thoughts uh, about what we were anticipating with this show. Uh, quick kind of spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, verdict on these first two episodes, because I actually think that they work really well together. I thought these didn't feel like... I feel like the way episode two ends in particular is a real cliffhanger kind of ending. And I thought because we dropped those first two episodes, we kind of bypassed that little fan reaction of like, yeah, episode one didn't really show too much. It was kind of just like introducing us back into the world, you know, storytelling. Uh, but I thought these two episodes worked very well together. So general thoughts on all of it, Noah, we're an Obi month Kenobi general thoughts on the first two episodes of this show. Where are you at? Well, you saying that like, I completely agree um, in kind of my analysis of these two episodes um, because I thought to myself, 
like what would the reaction be if it was just the first episode? Can you imagine just getting the first episode and being like, all right, well, we'll have to see what happens next week. Yeah. Um, I really do think that people would have been a little bit maybe disappointed. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one of those things that we know that there's not a lot of it. So we want to hold on to every single morsel. Um, mm-hmm. And luckily, episode one and two do work very well together. And it feels like a part one and part two um, to kind of one leading into two. Uh, so I do think that it was the right move. We've talked about this where it's, it was kind of weird that, that the day was pushed back till Friday, um, kind of bypassing the 45th anniversary of a new hope and then saying that we're going to, you know, release a third of the show at once. Um, that was something that was a little bit concerning for people. And I kind of see why now I think that this worked really well. And I think that it's enough to say, wow, okay, great. I get it. We're here. Like we've established Mm -hmm. this. Can't wait for next week. I'm ready. You know, it's definitely the right way to do it. Yeah. We talked about when that show was initially delayed, we were kind of like, oh, that causes so many production issues for (laughs) us of like, when are we going to record? And oh, I got to record during celebration and uh, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff aside, though, I thought narratively, yes, it really did work super well as just these first two episodes being able to kind of you have the inciting incident, what kicks off this adventure. And then you get to see the first little bit of that. And that definitely ends on the definition of a cliffhanger you know kenobi Mm -hmm. would literally have to be dangling from like beggar's canyon for it to be more of a cliffhanger (laughs) than that and i think star wars fans especially with a show like this that's so highly anticipated you expect to see so much stuff you know and we kind of knew that this first episode would really be where's kenobi at what has he been doing what's on his mind what's his what's his thoughts about the state of the galaxy right now and what are kind of the other things at play here let's set up some of these threats and what they're doing Okay, our, our journey is going to kick off, but you're not really going to see the first leg of that. And I do like that we really do have a nice kind of idea of where this journey is going um, as far as, you know, um, as, as far as the character stuff. But I also love that the first two episodes are the trailers and that's it. And the yeah. trailers, if you look through the trailers, it's like, we don't really know where this is going from here. The trailers are pretty much solely the marketing of, of this. So so that was kind of cool to see. There's obviously lots of surprises in this, which we'll uh, be able to watch. And if you guys actually want to see like my my face reaction, which I never, ever, ever do, uh, Star Wars Explained Patreon page, um, uh, they did a, a reaction video because we did a group watch and they were part of that too, friends of the show. I was front and center sitting on the floor. <laughs> so you literally see my dumb face being like, oh, 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 oh you know, no, just what? like doing the whole thing. Uh, so if you want to see that, give them uh, give them a little Patreon support and you can uh, see my dumb little face. But yeah, I really thought that this was just a, a terrific start to the show. Kind of everything that I wanted. So much stuff that I didn't know that I wanted. And after I saw it, I was like kind of kicking myself of like, how did I not anticipate this? Oh. Being yeah. the story here because it makes so much sense. It almost makes like too much sense. I, I like I was, I was mad at myself. It's like, come on, man. You've been anticipating the show for so long. And you didn't see this coming, but such a wonderful surprise. So many fun surprises. Uh, so much, so much heart in what we're seeing already. The conflict is very 
clearly well uh, established. The kind of the stakes of the galaxy are very well established in this. There's so much danger and so much urgency in these first two episodes. I and it also just you know lest we forget has fundamentally changed my perspective on some elements in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Some names that characters are called in the future. Some character moment interactions of movies that came out 45 years ago. Uh, happy anniversary, by the way. Um, <laughs> movies that came out 45 years ago that I'm like, that movie that I've seen uh, since I was like two years old, I now see that that moment differently. So very excited to be diving on into this. Uh, I think you and I are both double enthusiastic thumbs up right oh, yeah oh yeah and what makes it even better is this is just a personal uh i'll say it's a third thumb up okay um after Whoa. watching both <laughs> hold on a second garrett i really like the show <laughs> you really like the show uh oh. after watching this uh i i set up this whole plan i was like okay rachel I'm I'm gonna take 15 minutes off of lunch today. I'm gonna leave 15 minutes early. I'm coming back. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have Popeyes chicken sandwiches at the ready by the time I'm home Hell from yeah. work. Hell yeah! Yeah, I know. And like, as soon as you get home, turn on the TV, turn on the PlayStation, turn on Disney Plus. <laughs> I want it back. loaded. Like, I want it fully buffered when literally. I get there. <laughs> and so we like we just hunker down into it. And at the end of it, Rachel said. I actually like this one. And I said, hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. That Rachel has both of her thumbs up as well, which is, I think uh, is even more important. So without further ado, Noah, let's go ahead and dive on in. I'm sure everybody listening has already seen it. They've had plenty of opportunity. So episode one, Noah, the episode begins. We are greeted with a surprising recap of sorts. I was like, it's episode one. What are we recapping? Yeah. It turns out it's the events of the prequels in this nice kind of like fan trailer, you know, of, of seeing Obi-Wan's journey as Jedi Padawan, taking Anakin under his wing after the death of Qui-Gon, of course, and then losing Anakin to the dark side. And already... It was it was funny. Like uh, we were, as I, like I said, uh, I will mention it, this probably multiple times. I watched this with a group of people, probably mm-hmm. about ten or ten or so, if not more. I retweeted the the uh, the photo of everybody on my personal Twitter page. So if you want to see uh, who is who at that party, you can check that out. But we were all just silent. You could hear a pin drop watching this recap of these movies that we've seen dozens of times, <laughs> but <laughs> Which cut so, together like, more yeah, like one of those re so, yeah. like modern trailer mm-hmm. type things mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it was just super compelling to see all of this and it also was just like okay i feel like this is going to be a gut punch of a show a gut punch <laughs> of an episode so that kind of just like emotionally prepared me for things and i was just kind of like all right this is the proverbial seat belt that we're clicking in because we're about to take a pretty wild ride and turns I, out we yeah. did I do want to mention something. I I saw this a while ago, and I every single time that we've recorded, I forgot to bring it up when we talk about Obi Wan. Okay, um, I'll say it this way: I got I got clickbaited. Okay, I got clickbaited oh, into dang. an article on you know something like you know giant freaking robot or comic book review or whatever. Okay, got clickbaited into an article. The, the title was um, Obi Wan is officially the lowest rated. Uh, Star Wars Disney Plus series. And I Mm. said, what? And I clicked on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what the article meant was that it has the lowest age rating as in it is rated Ah. TV 14 where Ah. others have been a little bit higher than that. I think like TV 15 or whatever. Okay. And so I was like, okay, whatever. 
And the reason I'm bringing that up is because even in this recap, I'm like, this is, we are still in like mature Star Wars territory here. Mm -hmm. And that definitely continues through the rest of this. But the recap itself, I was like, yeah, we are getting into the more nuanced, like psychological part of the Mm -hmm. grief that Obi-Wan is dealing with. So it's funny that they're like, well, this is for, this is for all kids. I don't know, man, this is going to be heavy stuff. And I'm, I'm going to be on the verge of tears for sure at some point during this show. Yeah, we'll definitely get to it. But the first scene of this series, you're telling me, I mean, I know I don't actually know if like episode by episode, they get a new rating. I don't know how that works. Right. But it's all, I don't, Lucasfilm didn't make this and they're like, all right, guys, we're shooting for TV 14. It's like, I imagine they made a product and go, here you go. And they go, okay, here's the rating. I don't know if TV 14 is like higher than PG 13. Like I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't really care. Um, <laughs> um, but I did uh, the, something that I thought was really funny about the recap is, um, when, when Obi-Wan is kind of, uh, 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 having his own recap later on. I just, just thought it was interesting of some of the, um, some of the moments that were chosen. One mm-hmm. in particular was Anakin nosediving the, the speeder on the, yeah. <laughs> the Coruscant <laughs> chase. And, uh, I, this is the dream later on. So I guess I'm kind of uh, rushing things, but, um, it just reminded me that like, just like, Oh, Obi-Wan's having the sweet memory of Anakin when Anakin almost killed us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I love that. And I, I had said that at the, the, the group gathering and somebody was like, Hey, some of my, uh, some of my best memories of my friends are when we almost died. So I was like, hey, I guess you got a good point there. Um, but the first thing, though, of this episode proper of the episode is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Wow. Big Man. surprise there. That got Felt a very good. like, what? You know, like I, that was wild to me after I was reeling from the shock of the new intro of all the Star Wars logo and the characters with and the, the helmets droid, with the mouse on. droid with come the mouse on. droid. I, I, I kind of also no to... chopper. So that's not as great. <laughs> I had to laugh, though, because it was like Vader, 3PO, the Mandalorian, mouse droid. <laughs> He's just a big box. He looks like a, he looks like a Chinese takeout box in the middle of all these like sick helmets. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that that was really funny. But a long time ago in a galaxy, a galaxy far, far away, I don't know about you, but that kind of tipped me off of like, we're going for something cinematic here. Yes, you know, this is something it's establishing that is, itself. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, after this intro here, I, I mean, and, and just this idea that we are getting something a little bit more cinematic, which isn't terribly surprising. The series itself was originally intended to be a movie. The episode begins and we're in Coruscant and everybody was like, oh, Coruscant. And then was like, Oh, of course not. Turns out we see a bunch of younglings with their uh, their big dome looking helmet things uh, training against some training remotes and uh, Order 66, man is in full effect and we see a, a a Jedi lead their group of younglings uh and and try to protect them from the uh the onslaught of the uh, 501st battalion there. Um Jedi doesn't make it but this group of padawans kind of run off into the distance and we don't quite uh know what their fate is. I have some some theories myself but Oh, so do I, of course. What was kind of I think a lot of people are kind of on the same page, but what was your kind of response to that is this is a scene that is kind of setting the tone for the rest of this series and, and what's to come. Was that a surprise for you? Was that kind of like a walk me through what some of your emotions were there? Uh, I know that my first words were, Oh no. 
Um, and it, mm-hmm. it was because it was like, oh, Coruscant, oh, they're training and it's yeah. like kind of dusk. It's not quite nighttime, but it's kind of yeah. dusk. I know yeah. that lighting like the back of my hand. <laughs> that yeah. lighting is very familiar. I'm curious if uh, Rachel was like, you were like, oh no. And she's like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, she, she was because I was yeah. like, I was like, oh no. And she was like, what? what's wrong? And then just like door opens. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, That's, um, yeah. I, I will say I was a little bit surprised that this is where we started off only because, you know, we always talk about like, okay, like we love order 66. Do we need more stuff? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, we just saw another reiteration of Order 66 not too long ago in the Book of yeah. Boba Fett. Again, a very pleasant surprise. Love to see it. Um, I, I will say that this is this definitely is a look at it that does set the tone. It's not just the, oh my gosh, this is happening. That's crazy. Yeah. It really does. It, it shows it from a perspective of, oh my gosh, that's like scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I will say this and, and and go with me here. I think the song, the Bruno Mars song, 24 Karat Magic is to modern weddings as Order 66 is to modern Star Wars. I can 100% <laughs> see that. <laughs> they are inseparable. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And I, I see what you're saying is like, dude, there's been so much recent Star Wars media that has shown this thing and it's painful every time. It doesn't get any mm-hmm. better. And you're just every time you're just like, Oh no! Like <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the tragedy that that the you know the great tragedy of Revenge of the Sith is you just kind of wish that things wish that things uh, ended up differently. So yeah, even you know after this this tough moment here, we we do see the 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 younglings kind of go off into the distance. So we don't really know their fate. I think we'll get back to that. We'll we'll circle back to that for sure. Um, and then we catch up with uh, the the you know our favorite our favorite dusty sandy planet Tatooine ten years after uh, the events of Order sixty six and Revenge of the Sith, where we see uh, the three primary Inquisitors for this series hunting for an unnamed Jedi during uh, uh, this kind of market area on Tatooine, trying to find this this Jedi that we are not familiar with. Uh, we see the Grand Inquisitor uh, inquiring, if you will, uh, trying to find this Jedi, trying to we hear that 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 great, um, you know, the, the it's like an itch. They can't help it. The Jedi hunt themselves. We hear we hear that speech of him kind of um, interrogating the the locals of this bar and the barkeep in particular. Uh, and we see uh, Reva, who is established very early on of being very hasty, uh, uh, you know, full steam ahead kind of character, throws a dagger at the barkeep's forehead. The dagger stops in the mid, uh, the middle of the air and is saved by a Jedi named Nari, who is portrayed by none other than Mr. Benny Safty of the Safty Brothers directing duo. Um, did you, what was that like? Because I was like the only guy at my gathering who was like, oh, hey, it's Benny Safty. There he is. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, when we were watching it, they do a bunch of shots. I really like the, I'm really, really liking the directing, uh, in oh, yeah. this series so far. And they kind of just move around the saloon and show all these different patrons. It's yeah. showing you that it's like, could be any one of these guys, you know? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, except to people like you and I, where they're like, it could be any one of these guys. And I'm like, or well, it's could definitely be Benny Safty. Benny I, just, <laughs> I just saw him. I saw him back there. He's back, he's right back there. Uh, and I like, they're like looking around and I went, I went, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 You know, it's just one of those things where I was like, there he is. I didn't expect to see him so soon. I'll say that much. For sure. And I thought it was interesting to see. There's just a lot of things that I expected to see in the series, just in a different order. Like I expected to see Benny Safdie as a Jedi and expected to see him get hunt or not expected to see him as a Jedi. I expected to see a Jedi, maybe not Benny Safdie, Mm -hmm. a Jedi being hunted by the Inquisitors and, 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 and somebody stepping in to save their life and in doing so reveal themselves to be a force user. I just didn't think it would be Benny Safdie. I thought it would be Kenobi, maybe be saving an, uh, another person or a Jedi or something like that. So it's funny how things have kind of gotten sh- uh, switched around, but I love it. Like I love this journey that we're going on here. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, this uh, eventual kind of a conflict that we see this character um, eventually have here with Kenobi, who is revealed Noah to be working in this kind of like weird, uh, morbid fish market kind of, you know, they're working out of this giant, some kind of uh, crate dragon. I, it might be a crate dragon kind of carcass here. They're carving up its insides. Yeah, just gotta to, wonder what know, the job security of that is like. You know, how long does that? Well, pay it's for? like a traveling salesman type bit. It seems like one of those things that you just, you know, you close down yeah. shop, you move on to the next sand beast that died in the middle of the desert. I guess. I guess maybe they're that popular. I just don't know. Is that? It's in the sun and everything. It's like a food that, truck. That, well, that <laughs> can't be. Yeah, I mean, it can't be sanitary. You know, oh, absolutely. Sand well, and well, dust I will and some say, of the heat. I, you know, I will say from a chef's perspective. Okay. Sure. From a top chef's perspective. Not Uh, you. (laughs) No, yeah, it's me. A hundred percent me. (laughs) I did see like there's a bit on that, like they're all on this like conveyor belt thing. And I Mm -hmm. saw them like sprinkling it with like a bunch of salt. And I was like, that's interesting because it made me think I was like, do they have like refrigerators in Star Wars or are they still like preserving meat with salt? Like what's that like on Tatooine? Mm -hmm. Um, But I noticed stuff like that because, you know, you're right. This would seem like a horribly impractical way of harvesting a large amount of food, you know? Yeah. And we see Obi-Wan who is doing this very repetitive seeming job. He's literally just like working a line, like a, Mm -hmm. a, a distribution line, carving up this this fish carcass fish fish meat um he, he you know kind of takes a, a little piece for himself gives it to his a aop goes back to his cave comes back does the same thing goes back you know literally punches out like he has like a card like you know mm-hmm. like a nine to five he's just like all right quitting time you know smoke if you got him and he's like going home you know <laughs> um i thought that that was was very interesting also very relatable but something that is so fascinating because it's not a heroic introduction you know you would expect to see with characters like this a chewy we're home kind of moment i Mm -hmm. I think a lot of fans were maybe not uh you and i in particular i think our our kind of expectations for where kenobi would be at the series would be a little bit different but he doesn't have a luke skywalker you know reveal where he dramatically pulls his hood down he doesn't have anything like that he's just like doing this kind of modish job here was that a surprise for you or were you kind of like oh yeah that's where i want to see my my man depressed working a nine to five you know stuck in corporate you know no (laughs) you're right a hundred percent i was like i like i I saw him and I was like, our boy, 
Oh there man, he is. <laughs> just look at him. He's so sad. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, again, setting the tone very well for what kind of place he's in, both physically and mentally. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's uh, great that he's. I, I think it's really uh, compelling to have him at a at a job like this to where it is so low stakes, so mundane, so boring, where he's just doing the same thing, doesn't get paid for it a lot. Even at this job, he sees someone else who is being treated unfairly. And the guy even asks, he's like, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, which is almost like the log line of the show up to this point. It's like, right. well, what are you going to do about it? You know, and Kenobi's kind of like, well... I can't because of A, B, and C. Uh, and then eventually, he, you know, he realizes that he kind of needs to be pushed into this. But it, it's a very interesting thing that, like, one of the first interactions that we see with Kenobi is somebody's in trouble. Kenobi, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to yeah. sit back and, and not blow your cover? Kind of measuring, okay, what is is it worth it almost for me to get in, involved here? And, you know, this guy not offering his workers a living wage? Maybe not. You know, I'll take my money, take my meat and fish to the, uh, the, whatever it is, uh, to my yeah. EOP and I'll be on my merry way back to my cave, which by the way, looks very uncomfortable. Probably no, no back support on uh, sleeping on the ground. Well, there. he does have a hook for his bag, which is like, that's all, that's all you need. You know, you yeah, come exactly. home, you hang up your coat and you're set. Yeah, which speaking of which, when he returns home, there's like a little uh, R2 unit seemingly like buried in the ground or something like that. He's got like a home security system, which yeah, I thought was fully like ADT set up, with, set up you yeah. know? <laughs> he's got yeah. a little blue sign in his yard and everything. <laughs> I, I was wondering, I mean, do you think that that's R4? What, like, what do you think? Oh, man, he just took like a, a, a destroyed R4 and just like buried him into the ground. You know, I'm not sure. I, I, I will say because of a character that he he meets inside the cave being this Jawa who is like selling him parts. It seems like they have a rapport um, where he's he's been a customer before um, and he's uh, he's uh, uh, interacted with him before. Um, I would say that this Jawa probably has odds and end kind of pieces here and is like hey i've modified this it's a home security thing you can put in your ground i don't think he's got like a whole r2 unit just buried in the ground (laughs) and just just sitting down there like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that would be kind of depressing i don't really think that that's the situation but i wanted to get your take on this uh jawa character because this was this was great this was so 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 good it's, it's like uh what like what Ray and Tico, or is it Tico or Tito? Tito, Tito, Tito. like the like the vodka. Yes, <laughs> what what Ray and Tito like yeah. could be, you know, if that at all was explored. Yeah. Typical um, odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny man, straight man, just Kenobi and Tiki or whatever. His whatever name the is. hell. Is. I need to find it though. I need a black series figure of that guy because that was terrific. Yeah. Also, uh, I he, just love seeing modern Jawas because they mm-hmm. look really good while still looking like Jawas yep. from Episode Four. For sure. Um, and they're just yeah, they're so great. Yeah, and I love the the humor and the banter between the two of them, seeing them kind of uh, bartering the Jawa had stolen stuff from him and then cleaned it and tried to sell it back to him. That was terrific. Mm-hmm. But we do get a reveal in this, and I let out an audible like, oh, you know, is because... Obi-Wan takes it upon himself to buy uh, a, a toy of a, of a, a T-16 Skyhopper, mm-hmm. uh, which is coincidentally the same, not a coincidence, seems intentional, uh, the same model ship that uh, Luke has seen kind of t- uh, playing around with in A New Hope. 
Uh, and so Obi-Wan is like trying to get a gift for, for young Luke here. Uh, that reveal, Noah, how did, how did that hit you? Did that like, cause to me it was like, Oh God, that's so sweet. You know, yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. And I know like, obviously we'll get into it, but you know, a clip that was released on Twitter, um, Mm-hmm. of Owen and Ben's conversation shows kind of the uh, there's there's more than just one side to it it's not just yeah. you know him waiting for Luke to grow up and be a force user it is the kind of outside responsibility portion and and I'll say this much you know here this is a good example and the only reason I would bring it up now is because I would want people that are listening to kind of maybe think about it going forward is it shows the kind of relationship that Obi-Wan had with not only Anakin, but also Padme and how close Luke and Leia are to Obi-Wan because of Mm -hmm. his relationship to them, almost as if they're his own family. Yeah. Um, This is one of those indicators of him being more than just that kind of watchful presence. Yeah. Um, and I can't help but that thing. I can't help but think that that has something to do with Obi Wan's, you know, feelings towards the Skywalker family as a family. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's something that makes this relationship with Obi Wan and Luke different, or at least it's not just like a Dumbledore Harry Potter situation where right. it's like I'm raising you to do this one thing. I don't really care that much about you, but you know, maybe uh, there might be some 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 potheads out there that would disagree with that. It's That's Potterheads, kind of, Garrett. Not no, I'm saying heads. I'm saying potheads. Okay, uh, it's you it know rolls what? They off are the potheads. Harry Potter sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it rolls off the tongue a little better. Uh, anywho, uh, it seems like. Kenobi is really wanting to have a relationship with Luke and not just be I show up come save the galaxy with me and if you do great if you don't well I guess we're kind of screwed here it's like no he wants to be maybe a potential father figure for him he wants to be a be really be there for Luke even if from a distance I love that he sees him not having any toys or anything like that sitting on top of his house and just with his hands kind of mimicking this pilot action and thinks that of of how great it would be to give him this toy. That way he has something that he can, you know, imagine playing with and and imagining piloting and, you know, looking off into the stars. And we see another character in this episode, which we'll get to who has a similar kind of fantasy of wanting to go out there and experience and travel the travel the galaxy here. And it just provided also a lot of new context Excuse me, to uh, a, a new hope in that 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 little toy there, and it's you know that yeah. I can see how some people just could say it's kind of an empty Easter egg, but no, I think it says a lot about where Kenobi is at here, what his desire his desire is with Luke, what his connection attempts to be with Luke, but then also provides some uh, future conflict here uh, with uh, with uh, Uncle Owen. Yeah, it's one of those things that you kind of you it, it does make you sad, but um, yeah, especially because it's not. A coincidence. I think maybe there's something there in terms of maybe yeah. some resolve a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. At least we can hope. Um, yeah. That's where my head's at right now with that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after that moment here, we see uh, Obi-Wan back on his uh, as his little Flintstone bed there. Uh, just a, a, talking about a bedrock there. You know what I'm talking about? Um, he is uh, dreaming of uh, uh, Anakin and, and his loss of his, his brother and his, his, his uh, 
former Padawan, but also Qui-Gon, his former master, and kind of these maybe failures that, that Kenobi perceives of himself and the different uh, people that he's cared about in his life he's lost um, and, uh, and and how he kind of, uh, you know, perceives that. And he is, he is awoken by this nightmare uh, and then tries to communicate with his former master, maybe feeling his presence and says Qui-Gon. Uh, and trying to establish a connection here with his former master, but um, no response, unfortunately. Yeah, line the line's disconnected. Sounds yeah. like yeah, no yeah. signal. It must have a AT and T or something like that. You know. Well, I would imagine that you know the five G doesn't reach all the way to Tatooine. Probably not. Probably not. Um, did you expect to see Qui Gon in this moment? Was this something you're like, oh, are we finally getting it? Like, or you know, at minimum, were you just excited to you know have some Qui Gon recognition? You know, um, I, I do fully believe that we will get it, um, but it makes sense to establish this as not quite the time. Um, yeah. In my head, though, just first like gut reaction like i was like oh my god here it is you know um i was really ready for it um but it does it does help to know that obi-wan is not in that place to be able to make that connection right now Mm -hmm. um it's like that's very clear you know yeah it's it's an interesting trend here with force ghosts and kind of when they show up when they choose to show up and who they choose to show up to uh, and I think Qui-Gon showing up, maybe not as a physical presence, but a, a you know, a vocal one. We're not, I'm mm-hmm. not really sure how Qui-Gon is going to, you know, materialize, so to speak. I'm very curious to see that. Um, but I, I do like that maybe Qui-Gon is thinking that Obi-Wan doesn't need him right now in this particular moment. I'm wondering if Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have communicated before and he's like, I need you right now. And Qui-Gon's not answering. Have they not established contact yet? Has Obi-Wan knows that Qui-Gon is out there and is just kind of continually trying to, to reach him. I'd be very curious to see or to, to learn what that's like. I think well, on that yeah. eventual encounter that we will most likely get, I think that'll tell us a lot of like, have they done this before? Is this their first time? Has it yeah. been a long time? Like, what's that like? Yeah. It's something that, um, I didn't think about it until uh, the very end of the recap ends mm-hmm. with Yoda saying like on Tatooine, you know, I've got it. I've got a task for you. Mm-hmm. you you're going to learn how to communicate with Qui-Gon. That's like how the recap ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, that was when I was like, well, that is incredibly important. That's so mm-hmm. important. So we'll get it. Um, but again, 10 years like yeah. that's that's quite quite a long time and i yeah. have to imagine that if his if his connection to the force is dwindled 10 years from then mm-hmm. um and it obviously was stronger before maybe it's the kind of emotional block that kept him from doing it before mm-hmm. um and that kind of responsibility where he's like well i'm not going to worry about that right now i have to worry about luke mm-hmm. um I, I do have a feeling that we will come to learn that they have not uh, established communication yet. Yeah, I think it's almost kind of like a, a, a yes and kind of answer. Like, uh-huh. is, is has Qui-Gon not reaching out to Obi-Wan or is Obi-Wan just not engaged with the Force really at all? So therefore is not able to, 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 to really 
talk to Qui-Gon here. I think it's a little both. You know, I think Obi-Wan at this moment is a little Luke on Octo to where he's removed from the Force and he's not fully submerged in it and is not, you know, practicing, so to speak. Um, and so Qui-Gon is, is not, that's, you know, it takes a, probably a, a quite a lot to commune with the Force. But I'm also very curious to see, like, you know, with what we've seen in Force Ghosts, it's not necessarily a, a, a two-way street the force ghost can kind of just appear to you and, and, and talk to you. But since Qui-Gon's early on, does it really need to be both? You know, I'd be very curious to see how that's going to be, be portrayed later. And I think that first incident that we see is going to inform a lot about how this relationship has been between the two of uh, the two of them for the past 10 years. Cause yeah. Obi-Wan at the end of revenge of the Sith knows that Qui-Gon is out there mm-hmm. uh, and from, in you know, in some plane or, or another. And I'm curious to see, kind of how that connection has been is Obi-Wan just continuing to call and leaves voicemail after voicemail or is then <laughs> there been some phone tag going on here well and that's the thing is I, it makes me think of like in uh, Empire when when Yoda's like Luke don't <clears throat> don't go do this you're not yeah. ready and like oh, yeah. Obi-Wan just just kind of rocks up he's yeah. he's like knock knock uh, yeah. and just shows up I like yeah, think yeah. of that it's very funny to me that like the way that that is appearing yeah. in my head, but also mm-hmm. with like Yoda on Octu to Luke, he just kind of yeah. is like, what's yeah. going on, man? I, I think uh, Hoth is probably the most clear example because yeah. Luke's like in the snow, like yeah. <laughs> ready to die. And Obi-Wan's like, hey, hey, go to Dagobah. <laughs> so yeah. Luke's like, what is going on? So I, Luke obviously doesn't know, you know, he's communicated with Ben, but uh, you know, that it's just a different kind of, uh, yeah, Luke's not sitting there like, you know, peace and purpose, like meditating. He's like dying in the snow. So right. I imagine it's, uh, it does, again, it's not necessarily a two-way street here. Uh, but as the episode continues, Noah, we see this kind of, uh, this trailer shot that we've been, that we've been seeing a lot of, and we've had many discussions on and, and hopes and, and, and dreams for how the, the fandom would respond to stuff like this, uh, in particular. Uh, but we see Obi-Wan looking after, uh, a young Luke Skywalker who is pretending to explore and pretending to pilot in the galaxy and become the hero that we eventually know him to be, uh, and which kind of inspires Obi-Wan to leave this toy and to, to have, uh, Luke, uh, you know, kind of this avenue to dream and to explore, which I, as a star Wars fan and as a fan of this galaxy that is so intrinsically tied with toys and how toys can relate to our own ability to dream and, and, you know, to make up stories and imagine, you know, the, the, the power fantasy and the fun of flying around in a spaceship. I mean, who hasn't picked up a plastic poster tube and gone like, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's just kind of what, it, that's like step one to being a star Wars fan. Uh, and, uh, you know, after the scene here and, and Luca uh, is eventually left this, this, uh, little, uh, I guess, uh, it's not a figure. It's, it's a spaceship. It's a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a model, you know? It's, yeah. A little model, I think is probably a better word for it. So after Noah, he leaves this model here for Luke, he begins to travel back to his own own, you know, his own flat, his own cave, his own, <laughs> his own po- flats, uh, I think is what you mean. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the desert flats. Exactly. Uh, there is this uh, scene where we see kind of um, out from the shadows here. We've got Benny Safdie who rocks up to Kenobi and he's like, hey, man, I'm a Jedi. Can you help me? Uh, and there's this kind of awkward conversation where Obi-Wan or at this time Ben Kenobi is like, hey, you got the wrong guy. I am not not the guy that you're looking for here. And he's like, I, I, what? I know you. Like, I, I know who you are. I thought that was kind of like almost an intentionally, uh, unintentionally kind of funny moment. It, you it know? was definitely funny because he's like, 
what do you mean? You're the great Obi-Wan. And yeah. Obi-Wan's like, keep your voice down. voice down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like when you, like, uh, just remind me of the kind of the humor in it. It's like you go to the grocery store and you like see somebody that you know and you're like, I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk to them. Yeah. And just like, hey, you're just like kind of, you know, <laughs> just kind of look away <laughs> yeah. like, uh, this is, you know, uh, kind of had that You're like, you're energy. suddenly on your phone. You <laughs> exactly. <know? laughs> yeah, Obi-Wan just picks up his, uh, his hollow deck and he's like, oh, yeah, this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, uh, so yeah, this this uh, moment here, uh, we we see this Jedi who really pleads for Obi Wan to to help him and to to provide that kind of hero, uh, you know, the the hero sensibilities that he knows Kenobi to have, and kind of tries to spark this. You know, the the fight isn't done. You know, the the battle's still kind of waging across the galaxy, and and Obi Wan is like, dude, where have you been? The fight is done. We lost. Okay. Right. You need to take that lightsaber that you have. You need to go out in the middle of the desert and bury it as deep as you can and go live a normal life. Like it is not the time. Do you think in this moment that he is telling this man to give up the fight? Or do you think Kenobi is maybe saying like now is not the time? Like in this moment, how do you think that this Jedi might read that moment? Or how did you as a fan read this moment? Well, I, I thought of exactly that actually. Um, Cause it's funny that you bring that up. I thought of that exact thing where, Obi-Wan could easily say like, you know, put, put your lightsaber away, put those feelings away mm-hmm. and save them for later. He could easily say like, go bury your lightsaber, live a, live a normal life. There are two words he could add to the end of that. If he says for now or yeah. not yet or something like that, yeah. but he doesn't, he chooses not to. He says like, just live a normal life. It's the best thing that you can do because Mm -hmm. there's nothing else you can do. That's going to, you know, that's going to protect your life or anything like that. He could Mm -hmm. easily say that it's not the time, but he, he chooses to be very like, Nope, like full stop. This is it. We're done. Okay. We're done. It's over. I think it's interesting that I think Kenobi believes this, that the, the yeah. battle's lost, like yeah. it's over. Because I don't think at this point in time he has seen Luke as this new hope. I don't think he is able to see and visualize this kid bringing balance to the Force and, uh, you know, continuing what Anakin failed at. I think Obi-Wan is still has these incredibly fresh wounds and, and sees this rando Jedi is not going to be able to fix everything, you know, and that Obi-Wan is living this quiet life and fears uprising and in fears doing something about it because he i think he fears the same failure that uh you know fell over anakin and this failure that obi-wan is still very much dealing with and his failure to not only anakin but to padme and the entire galaxy you know i think he feels a tremendous amount of responsibility of of what happened here and who is he to go go on this crusade with this not only as does he have a mandate to luke but i don't think that I don't think he feels inspired to do something about it in this moment. I think that's why it's really difficult for him to eventually make this decision and is kind of like pulling teeth here to when he eventually makes this choice to uh, help out bail. Well, you're right. And we we're in an interesting place right now where it is really the full force of the empire. It's kind of the height of, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of the proverbial boot that we talk about kind of, you know, what is their presence? What is their, their strength uh, over the rest of the galaxy? 
And I feel like that's not lost on Obi-Wan. It's not lost on other people either. The scenes that we see of the Inquisitors running through town and mm-hmm. things like that, they are very like anything could happen right now and these people yeah. are powerless to do anything about it. Um, that feeling is constantly there. Um, and Obi-Wan is is obviously very aware of that, that he's just yeah. one guy versus this entire force that has accumulated and is now the dominating factor, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's, it's almost an impossible battle to win all by himself. And I don't think he imagines that this, this guy who comes up to him at the desert who clearly can't take care of himself is going to be the, the, the next chosen one, so to speak. So I'm excited to see uh, Kenobi eventually go to this journey of, of acquiring that hope. Cause I think he's pretty, I think hope is pretty absent in his life at this, at this time, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty bleak to see him like this, but uh, after this, we get a real sense of change here, tonally speaking, and something that was kind of the first big surprise. You know, the the a long time ago, starting on Coruscant, stuff like that. I anticipated seeing some Order 66 stuff. Um, Coruscant, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but going to Alderaan, Noah, and Fresh seeing... and funky Alderaan. Seeing a, a, a pristine, shiny Alderaan and seeing none other than a young Leia Organa being prepared by, uh, you know, the handmaidens, the Alderinian handmaidens uh, preparing her, her for this um, this uh, uh, fancy old meeting here that she is having and some princess duties, some royal duties here. Um, which eventually ends up being kind of a prank that she pulls on her on a Brea, uh, and, and Leia is off into the wilderness, climbing trees and being a kid. What was your response to uh, seeing Leia here in this moment? Because for me, I was like, at first I was like, oh, cool. We get to spend some time with, uh, with Bail Organa. I was anticipating Jimmy Smith's being in the series, but then I was like, Oh, are we doing that already? Like, like, oh, wow. Oh, God. A lot of this is young Leia. It's not mm-hmm. just a cameo like it is with Luke. It's like, no, she is multiple speaking lines is a full blown role in this episode. What was kind of your initial reaction to that? I, I was uh, definitely shocked. Um, and I I do think it probably took some reworking for me again, mm-hmm. like, Like you said, we had some kind of baseline expectations for this, Mm -hmm. um, and this was completely out of left field, uh, both in, I guess, tone, but also in kind of what we've been led to understand this show to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I've thought about it this way is kind of, uh, you know, we had mapped out like, okay, this will probably be taking place, and I could see this character fitting into this role And, you know, what is Obi-Wan's relationship there? Um, Those expectations that we had are somewhat correct, but it's now it's just shifted entirely Mm -hmm. that Leia is going to be taking that that role. Yeah. And at, at first I was like, well, that kind of changes the idea of the entire show. It, mm-hmm. it makes it, I talked to my dad about this a tiny bit. Um, he said, he said the first thing he thought of was something like Omega in the bad batch. And how does that change the dynamic between these characters, the protectors and the protected. Um, yeah. and you know, the, the, the wise and old and the young and rebellious naive. Yeah. Um, it definitely changes the dynamic of the show, but I think realistically, um, 
there's something to be said about the fact that this perfectly addresses the prior relationship that Leia has with Kenobi mm-hmm. um, in a way that like probably makes episode four more enjoyable in that respect yeah. of like, well, what <clears throat> is there? She knows something about him. You know, she knows that his name is Obi-Wan. She knows yeah. that their father had, you know, her father had a relationship with him. Um, that was, you know, more than just, oh, they're acquaintances. Like, no, they yeah. they fought together in the war. That relationship there is something that's like, yeah, when you watch episode four, you're like, okay, yeah, we'll just take that. We'll just take that for what it is because that's what we're being told. This is the setup for that. So I'm excited to see what happens further down the road with this. Yeah, I mean, Leia is a character that's incredibly important to me and a character that I, I you know, am obsessed with as uh, my favorite female character in Star Wars. So to see a young version of her was something that I just never knew I wanted this bad in a television show, uh, a book or a comic or something like that. I could totally see. But to see this young actress who is so, so good in mm-hmm. this role has the perfect amount of sass but also insight and wisdom beyond her years but also just so much of the idea of like I'm so bored with this I want to be out and I want to explore and I want to see the galaxy but I'm stuck here in the senate room with you guys and you like a white collar you know just kind of uh, bureaucrats and I want to be out there you know and, and seeing the stars which is something that's expressed very clearly in Bloodline uh, she has no interest in establishing this new galaxy, but she knows that work needs to be done. And she knows that she is somebody that has a unique skill and could be a great asset to the galaxy in establishing this new this new government post the Empire. But she's also kind of like, man, I really just want to hang out with Han. And I've just worked my entire life to get this goal and I have to continue to work at it because it's, you know, the, 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 the wars or the job's never done here. Um I think that's expressed incredibly well with this young actress here. I think she does such a terrific job. But like you said, I also agree that this just changes the dynamic of Obi-Wan and Leia, not in a bad way, as far as watching A New Hope. And it made me immediately think of when when Luke Skywalker uh, opens Leia's cell door and he goes, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And she goes, Ben Kenobi, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, whoa, like the, that guy, I know, I know him. He's saved me before, like that kind of energy. Let's, let's be forget, the person that she names her son after is Ben. And that's always been mm-hmm. something to me that I've just found very curious as to why. Because she doesn't really meet him in A New Hope. Like, she sees him from afar. He sacrifices himself. So I always just kind of assumed it's like, yeah, that's this man who laid, laid his life down to save me. And he was the galaxy's only hope. And he brought me and my brother together, which she, I think she feels grateful for, which I think is still true. But to see this adds a completely new layer to everything beyond just being her role in this is really funny and she's sassy and, and ambitious and all of those kind of things that Obi-Wan says, he he talks about it, but even before he mentions it, it's like, 
that's her mom right there, man. Like mm-hmm. that's very Padme, but it's also her dad too. Like she's like this perfect blend of like Anakin and Padme here. Uh, and I think this little actress here just completely crushed that and really brought this role to life here. And it just makes so much sense Whereas Luke, now that I'm thinking about it, like uh, the, the kidnapping and everything, I don't think Luke wouldn't, I didn't anticipate Luke being kidnapped. I just thought it was like a threat against Luke, but to see Leia be this kind of catalyst for this all, I think emboldens the importance of Leia as a twin uh, because I think that Luke can often be seen as the twin, like he's the he, you know right. he's the hero of of the original trilogy. But I think this really emphasizes that it's like no, she's often she's very important too. And Luke being captured by you know pirates or whatever is just as important as Leia being kidnapped right. by, Bale, by these. Bale uh, mentions it when he's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's she's just as important. You realize that, right? You know, yep. and it's like, yeah, yeah. man, we kind of don't we kind of take that for granted. We don't really think about yeah. that, you know. Yeah, just as far as they're they're both of their roles, as far as protecting them and protecting their identity, and also let's not like you know seeing Alderaan in live action was oh awesome. Like oh that was goodness. so good. I, I like the, the volume and I don't know how much of it was implemented here, but the volume just continues to impress, especially in the next episode, which we'll talk about, but just continues to look, uh, incredible. Uh, and I love the, the work, uh, visually of seeing, uh, Alderaan and bringing that back. And it's just something that, you know, you get that little flash in revenge of the Sith and you're like, Oh gosh, there's Alderaan. And you like mm-hmm. pause and you miss, you, you got blink and you miss it kind of moment there. Uh, but being able to spend some real time on that planet, also being able to spend some time with, uh, Bria, her mother, uh, is, is, is excellent. And also Jimmy Smith's, I mean, come on, Jimmy Smith's. I literally, yeah, I was like, give me, Give me Jimmy. Give me Jimmy right now. Exactly. Uh, Now we then cut back to Tatooine where Obi-Wan is confronted by Owen after uh, he uh, gets off work there. And we have this uh, interaction between Owen that we've seen kind of play out. Uh, There was a sneak preview clip. I believe released like a week ago that I actively avoided because I was like, the show's coming out in days. I'm going to watch it. And I'm glad I did because this was a a really great moment here. We've seen obviously that spicy little retort that Obi-Wan has to uh, Obi-Wan about him training uh, his father. Uh, And this conversation, though, is cut short here. Uh, because the Inquisitors are uh, back in Tatooine and they're continuing to look for this Jedi and Reva in particular is looking for Kenobi specifically. A couple of things here I wanted to ask. Um, first off, do you have anything else to add about this reaction and this conversation between Uncle Owen and Ben? Uh, because I feel like we've covered it pretty thoroughly in the uh, the trailers, but as well as the um, our, our, our Vader discussion of it all. Yeah, I think the only thing is it, like watching it right now, it feels like, like Owen, stop being such a jerk. Like what's wrong yeah. with you? You know, mm-hmm. but you do understand kind of the, uh, we have to get to a point where things are in, uh, in, in episode four, we have to get to that point, mm-hmm. right. Where, where Owen is, is very much like, don't pay any attention to that old crazy person. Mm-hmm. This is where you belong. You're going to be doing this because it's the safest place for you to be. I mean, yeah. like, how would you feel if, you know, you and I are both are both cat owners. How would yeah. you feel if somebody that didn't own a cat and also killed a different cat was like, hey, man, just let me, just let me, like, let me, let me give you some tips and stuff. You'd be like, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's a good point. Um, but, it, you know, it also reminds me of that, um, the conversation that uh, Uncle Owen has with Baru at the, the kind of the dinner table there in A New Hope to where Baru's like, uh, Luke can't stay here. He has too much of his father in him. And, and Owen's like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the relationship between Anakin and Luke. And same thing that we see with Leia. It's like they are their parents' children yeah. and they share traits with them. And Luke, just like Anakin, has this sense of, uh, and Leia as well, the sense of what's out there. What can I see? What can I explore? It has to be more than this. I have mm-hmm. to have something more to give in my life. Uh, and I think Luke and, and Anakin are similar in that sense. And Owen recognizes that. And he's like, dude, the last thing that kid needs is some guy coming around here telling him that he's got some great big purpose and that he needs to, that he's the key to, you know, bringing the, the balance to the force and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. he is the new hope. That's the last thing that he needs. And, uh, you know, to a, to a degree, to a point, I, I kind of agree with Owen and I uh, maybe not agree, but definitely sympathize with him Yeah, as far as yeah the last guy you killed my family member by the way thanks for that uh or you got killed was you know was in the same position and look what happened to him and i don't want this thing to happen to this kid because he's probably attached to him at this point probably pretty attached it's been a few years yeah it's been a little bit they probably had a couple of birthdays here and there um, but I love that scene works just as well as it does in the trailer, if not more, especially with the little context of that uh, T-16 Skyhopper. That was great to see. Um, after this, Noah, the uh, Inquisitors are back. And I wanted to ask you a couple of things here. Um, first off, the Inquisitors come back to Tatooine. Now, we don't really know why. We don't really know why they come to Tatooine beyond finding Benny Safdie, but it seems like Reva maybe has a little bit of insider knowledge as to why Kenobi might be on this planet in particular. Do you have any theories about that, or do you think it's just coincidence that she happens to be looking for Kenobi, and on this planet you've, you know, you've got Benny Safdie here who's kicking around? Do you think there's uh, anything to read into that? I think that, you know, kind of the the impression that I'm getting is, and, I, and I've thought about this a lot over the course of these two episodes, mm-hmm. is um that that there's obviously something to the strength of uh, certain force users and their ability to you know walk into a given place and be like mm, I can kind of sense people's feelings around here I can kind of feel the energy in this room mm-hmm. and wouldn't you know I can kind of tell that this person may be around I think it's one of those things where it's like. They, and they say later they've been looking for a really long time and they've kind of been looking in the wrong places. Yeah. And to me, it feels like maybe Reva is like, well, I've got a feeling about this place. And honestly, sure. if that line enough was said, like, I'd be like, yeah, that that tracks, you know? Yeah, I, I I don't have any tinfoil hat theories, but I do love the idea that they think that they are looking in the, the wrong places and kind of maybe potentially offering some commentary on things that fans have kind of complained about for years is like to hide the chosen one or this person that Obi-Wan kind of believes is the next chosen one to 
hide them on Anakin's planet and name him Luke Skywalker. Like what? Yeah. You know, I kind of like the idea that this could potentially address that to where it's like, no, that's the perfect place to hide them is Anakin's home. Because at the end of the episode two, we reveal that Reva knows that Vader is Anakin. Uh, so maybe she kind of has some insider knowledge here of like, no, that's gotta be the perfect place to hide him. I bet he's there. Like the, the hiding in plain sight, you know, so to speak. Um, no tinfoil hat theories here just yet, but I do, kind of want to maybe secure our tinfoil hats here um, and and to maybe understand or why Reva in particular is, is really cutthroat and, and ruthless in regards to finding Kenobi in particular. Do you think there's any sort of connection there? Maybe tying back to uh, the first scene that we see in this episode. Any thoughts there? Well, I 100% think that Reva is one of the younglings in that scene. I think that that's... Um, it's hardly, I mean, obviously I don't know, um, mm-hmm. but I ha- I'd have to say it's hardly a speculation yeah. um, because there is a character in that, in that scene that is mostly front and center. Um, and it's a young African-American girl. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and obviously we get a little bit more information about uh, her upbringing, I guess, or, you know, when she may have become an inquisitor how that may have come about Mm -hmm. uh knowing that she used to be a jedi like most inquisitors but not all um and that sort of thing separates her is kind of the idea there but that means that there's more that we don't know obviously this is a new character there's there's plenty that we don't know about her yet yeah but those things feel very intentional and Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I do wonder, you know, we get in this, uh, ahead in this scene um, is a line that she says that I'm like, yeah, this connects a lot to whatever we're going to see about where she comes from um, and what that looks like. And it's like a big, big, you know, hey, pay attention to the way that this character kind of develops over the course of this show, you know? Yeah. I'd be really curious to see, cause I, that conversation I think you're talking about is after this, they kind of are interrogating the people of, of, uh, Tatooine here and she continues to be a loose cannon and she uh, disarms someone, you know, <laughs> as it were, uh, gives them the old Ponda Baba there and uh, literally cuts their hand off. And I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty intense there, man. Uh, and that's, you know, she continues to kind of threaten these people and uh, until the fifth brother kind of uh, reels her in a little bit, reminding her that the uh, their grand inquisitor is not uh, does not approve of, of her actions. Um, and we, we get this uh, conversation between the two of them where she is uh, not really you know falling in line with the fifth brother. And, and there's definitely a sense of seniority there and superiority there between the two of them and kind of vying for power, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Seeing kind of infighting between the Inquisitors and seeing that they... They are not united in I this cause. I told you, man, I called it. I called that so long ago. I called it. That they, like, that play there's, back, like, like work, the workplace gossip? Yes, man. Play back the episode. Run it back. I don't know which one. Just, listener, you go back and find it. But I remember, I was like, there's an interesting dynamic there because they're not one unified thing. They, you know, there is that, like, struggle for power you see that a lot in rebels yeah um and 
What do you know? That's all yeah, I'll I, say. What do you I know? I think it interesting there it is interesting that there is kind of this like you know, like in like in band, like the first <laughs> like they've got like first chair, first chair of the, second of the, chair. Yeah, of like the Inquisitors, and I wonder if that's what it is, if it's literally like a ranking. It's like, nah, you're a you're a you're a four chair. How about that? Yeah. You know? You're all the way down there next to the tubas. Uh, I wonder if it's anything uh like that. But in this conversation, Noah, Reva says that she uh in capturing Kenobi uh will be granted what she is owed. What do you think Reva is owed? I, uh, you know, because you had talked about maybe having this connection with Kenobi here, and and, and her being this youngling. Um, do you do you think that Kenobi is responsible, maybe for for some uh, some wrongdoing here? What do you kind of think that she is, you know, pursuing uh, beyond just getting Kenobi? I think I think more than just you know maybe him having some adjacent responsibility or auxiliary responsibility. Maybe she blames him for something, but I think that beyond that, uh, it's likely that they have had an encounter before with her as the third sister. I think that's what my head is going to right now, because I think that would be, um, I, I say that it would be the most logical reason for why she has this grudge, not only, you know, as an inquisitor, Um, but it's almost as if there isn't a Jedi as important to her as, you know, her hatred for Obi-Wan. Something happened, obviously, that caused that. I think that it's likely that, if not both things, but I think that more likely, or at least what I would, you know, kind of cross my fingers for would be, they might have had an encounter uh, once before, as you know with her as an inquisitor interesting i am i think she's kind of got darth maul syndrome here i'm wondering if she blames kenobi for or blames the jedi maybe um generally not because maul was more of like you didn't i had these gifts to give and i had this ability and you didn't come find me i had these legs to use and walk and stuff and you and sliced you cut him right off. off. No, I mean more of like younger, <laughs> yeah. like as a youngling. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Reva is like Kenobi. I had I had a place. I had purpose. I had friends, even maybe. And because of your failures, that was taken away from me. And I wonder if she personally blames Kenobi for the loss of everything that she had. And she has this knowledge that Kenobi and uh or that Anakin and Vader are one which i feel like is kind of unique i don't know how mm-hmm. what prevalent that idea is or that knowledge is kenobi certainly didn't know um but this idea that you failed and because of him you failed everybody and because you failed everybody that i'm included in that and i'm wondering if she is kind of i love this idea of setting up this adversarial battle between the two of them and and kind of Kenobi's soul, kind of this angel and devil on their shoulders of of Reva representing Kenobi's failure and representing this idea of responsibility needed to be taken or personal responsibility. In that in that Kenobi is blaming himself for everything that has happened here, um, and I'm curious to see how. Reva and the, and the this challenge that she proposes for Kenobi is going to be different than Anakin. You know, because Anakin yeah. is that failure. But if, if Reva is also kind of representing that failure, 
I'm wondering how they're going to differentiate themselves, but I do kind of like that idea that maybe Reva is like, no, dude, I had a place and I had a home and I had friends and I had a master that I really looked up to and admired. And because you failed, all of that was taken away from me. Right. So I'm, I'm going to take the, this away from you too. It's the, you know, the secondary consequences of failure, you know, of course the direct, the direct result of failure is yeah. clearly still haunting Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, but those those secondary things where it's like actually this thing got messed up too because of what I did how like how does that even translate um and then you know feeling guilty for those those kind of things it's it's there is a difference there but i see what you're saying in kind of the you know how is that very different from from Anakin? There's there has to be something else there. So yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very excited to explore that uh, that in that dynamic and kind of the the unique challenge that she faces for Kenobi, not just physically but also spiritually as well. Um, after this scene here, we get a brief moment between Ben and Owen, where Ben is kind of thanks Owen for not ousting him and not, you know, revealing him. And he's like, I didn't do it for you, man. Uh, and so I, I still like that even within that moment of terror, I'm wondering how much truth Ben shared with the inquisitors where he's like, I've got no love for the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> She's sensing him. And it's kind of the polygraph of like, he's telling the truth. He does not like the Jedi. Uh, but meanwhile, we cut back to Leia, uh, back on Alderaan where she is, uh, attending this, uh, uh, family reunion kind of here and has this snot nosed cousin that she, maybe kind of uses the force on maybe a little unintentionally oh yeah, oh, yeah. um uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, in the comic book as well, kind of uh, hint towards these moments. And I love that Leia, throughout her career and throughout her life, has kind of unintentionally used the Force at moments and has just kind of brushed it off as like, that was weird. Anyway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that even in this early age, she completely breaks this kid down where she talks about his, oh, if you just regurgitate the same thoughts that your father has, you think that that's going to earn you respect, but you don't respect anybody or you don't respect yourself. And you all your one is just your father's respect. And you feign this kind of uh, ideology just to kind of earn that. I thought that that was all very interesting. The fact that Leia even does it to Kenobi is just able to like shrink yeah. everybody down and make them feel kind kind of small. <laughs> I love all of that. Um, and also being able to see that sassiness really come through with Leia to where she hasn't learned that ability to kind of be cordial and smile through the, the kind of disgust a little bit. Um, I, uh, yeah, really liked this, uh, this moment here, but after this, I think we have a really great scene with, uh, Bale and Leia where he talks about, kind of the responsibility of, of her position that she's in here and how people will look towards her uh, in the future. Yeah. Um, but also her place in the Organas in that she has a, she, Leia kind of has this moment of like kind of an identity crisis. If so she's like, I'm not a real, they're right. I'm not a real Organa. And he's like, you're as real as an Organa as, as I or your, or your mother. And I think that that's just such a, a Star Wars idea is this idea of found family and that you can yeah. choose who your family is and it's does your bloodline doesn't necessarily um Ray define who. that the, Ray uh, who. <laughs> doesn't necessarily define that but i also ray uh, uh absolutely but also leia very much so yeah you know look at leia's bloodline and bloodline you know? yeah yeah but look look at her like actual no, bloodline yeah. <laughs> you know um the fact that she could be defined by evil and darkness and despair, but she chooses to recognize 
uh, her mother and uh, the gifts that uh, she has to give to the galaxy uh, and, and also the found family that she finds not only in the rebellion, but also with uh, Leia or uh, with uh, Han and Chewie and R2 and all of those guys. Also great to see uh, 3PO just in the back. Yeah, like, it, I know. I, I felt so happy for him and I was like, oh man, 3PO is in his element. Like that's where he thrives, baby. Like he is, you could, he was like, he would be smiling ear to ear if he was like, yeah. oh, this is much better than being in like battles or anything like that. Dude's Everybody's like a, so posh yeah. and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he looks like me on the celebration floor looking at uh, <laughs> looking at Lego minifigs, just like completely in his element. But uh, yeah, that was a really great moment there. And uh, just can love seeing, we, we've not really seen that before, of Leia and Bale uh, interacted. That yeah. was just something I was just like, I can't believe I'm watching this right now. So uh, that was uh, really terrific. So uh, after this, Leia kind of is like, yeah, okay, dad. Anyway, I'm going to go off into the woods again and kind of have a little uh, a little uh, adventure of my own. And uh, in this moment, we have a gang of bounty hunters who show up who is led by none other than Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I uh, don't the, know how that happened. Well, that's... Uh, uh, it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like not leaked, but like rumored or something like that. I knew that he was, was in this, really? and, then I, and then I forgot that he was in this, and then I saw him again, and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's Flea." Well, I knew about Flea, and then I forgot about Flea just in general, and then I saw him, and I was like, "Flea," <laughs> <laughs> like you just forgot he was a, a, yep, existed a, human, as a human at all. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask, I haven't, you know, I've, you know, I've been at Celebration the past few days, so my, I haven't been engaging too, too much online, just a little bit here and mm-hmm. there, but um, just you personally, uh, did this, what did this scene kind of, does it, you know, the the bounty hunters of it all, is that something that you, you personally are struggling with, the fandom is struggling with? Because it didn't bother me, but it was something that I was kind of like, I could see people not, not really being into this. So I've seen a little bit of it that, you know, people are kind of saying it has that mods syndrome you know um the vespa gang syndrome sure uh and and i i have to agree um there's one point uh in this uh ensuing chase scene uh where one of the bounty hunters is you know chasing leia and she ducks under a branch and the bounty hunter runs into the branch as if they are a blind person uh, and yeah. it's very, or, very or, awkward. Or, or the fourth stooge. Right, exactly. They're, they're all like one of them bumps into a wall and the other one bumps into that person's back and then the other one bumps into that person's back and they all fall <laughs> down at one time. One of them steps on a rake and <laughs> <laughs> and then they slips on a banana peel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like... What the hell? <laughs> what is what is this? Yeah, uh, I, I get it. It's, it's probably more of like a stunt issue as far as like you have oh, a kid. Absolutely. You have a kid no, and you can only do so much. So there was just one moment where I kind of giggled because one of the bounty hunters in the back is like running in place almost. He's yeah. kind of like doing like a little number. Like he's like trying to like, I guess psych her out i don't know it was just kind of weird and then also like the tree moment and stuff like that it is yeah, just, it wasn't, yeah. yeah it's one of those things that's like okay how do we get three adults to chase a kid yeah and this, not make like, it yeah complicated yeah. built forest and have the kid outrun them slash outsmart them yeah. well let's choreograph it so that as soon as this person's about to catch her he splits off from the group or something like yeah. that and it's just like yeah. eh. or they just stand in front of her like Oh, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? I'm going to get you. And then they, you know, yeah. they swipe at thin air. 
Yeah, it, a little yeah. Kevin McAllister action. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it's not a scene that was like, oh, God, this is so cringy. But it was just something. It was just very cartoony, very silly, yeah. uh, very Home Alone, as I said, very like Little Rascals almost. It was oh, just, yeah. It, yeah, it was just Dennis funny. the Menace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know the type. Um, just a funny little moment. Like I said, it, not something that bothered me, but... I would not be surprised if I scrolled on TikTok and found people like adding cartoon sound effects to those guys, <laughs> like the little like whoop, 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 or like uh, a so bong or something like that. Is, yeah. I'll get right on that, Garrett. I'll let you know when I've got it cooked up tomorrow. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to be busy tomorrow. So if you could have that on my desk in the morning, that'd be super. Sure thing, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so after Leia is taken, uh, we see a moment where Bale and Brea contact Kenobi and send him a message asking Kenobi to aid their daughter and to help save her. Um, to which Kenobi really just flat out denies or like, den- like won't offer his assistance right. um, for a, a few different reasons. One that Leia even kind of picks apart as, as far as like, Obi-Wan offers a bunch of different reasons. Like, I'm not the guy that you used to know. It's too dangerous. I just can't do it. Like, it's a few different excuses that he kind of offers here. Beyond the excuses that Kenobi offers, what do you think is the real reason that Kenobi initially denies uh, his uh, call to action here? I think, uh, honestly, it is a personal struggle for him at first. He's right to say that it is his responsibility to watch over Luke, but, you know... 10 years have gone by and not a whole lot has happened. Um, granted there are inquisitors roaming about, um, but you know, really on Tatooine, Obi-Wan is the one that's in danger. Luke is not at this point. So to me, it feels like a personal thing that he's at this struggle of, I don't feel like I am the one that you want to task with protecting somebody's life right now in a, you know, in a live or die situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's an emotional block for him. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. I think, I think first and foremost, let's, you know, let's address the, the Bantha in the room. Refusal of the call is hero's journey. One Oh one. Like that's kind of how these stories are structured. So I think that there's definitely a part of that. I think that's kind of the obvious thing to point out, but I think on a deeper character level, I understand and it makes perfect sense for Kenobi to refuse this call and similar to Luke almost, he's kind of, it's this fear of, I've wanted this thing so long and I've wanted to go out and have that adventure for Obi-Wan. It's I've wanted to make a difference. I've sat there and watched people be mistreated around me and I've wanted to do something so badly, but I can't Luke. It's I want to go out and have that adventure, but I can't because I have responsibilities here. And when they are finally offered that, and, and everything that they're kind of hoping for as far as Obi-Wan having that moment of, I feel like I'm helping. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling my mandate as a Jedi. Um, I think that it's natural that they're having this sense of fear and, but what if, like, I can't leave because I have responsibilities back home. And, but it's also, I think it's really uh, kind of hidden in this level of fear and anxiety about the unknown. Um, and I think uh, Kenobi is, is very relatable in this as, as far as 
having this opportunity to, to make a real difference, to be that Jedi that he wants to be, but feeling his own failure, uh, fearing his own failure because of that's what's been, you know, plaguing him for the past 10 years is this idea of failure. And I think it makes a lot of sense that he would continue to refuse this call, despite the fact that he says, he's like, I'm kind of out of step, you know, I haven't, I haven't done my stretches in a while. <laughs> um, do, do you take him at his word for that, that he is maybe a little out of practice as far as the force and maybe his light space? Uh, saber skills are concerned? Um, I do see that a little bit because I don't see him as somebody that's, you know, he's in his cave, nobody's around and he is like, I better start doing some push-ups. No. <laughs> like he's really, really let himself go. Obviously it is a yeah. somewhat of a rut for him. Um, but yeah, again, th- it's established that his connection to the force has heavily dwindled. Um, yeah. in the way that he handles himself and the way that he handles situations, he feels very, um, you know, when, when the inquisitors rock up into town, he's like cowering, you know, yeah. he's nearly cowering. Um, things like that is not, you know, he's not watching. He's not like observing he's hiding. Um, yeah. and that kind of feels like right now that's his default. Um, because he's been out of practice for so long. I do think there's merit to that. Yeah, for sure. And we also see some uh, physical encounters later that definitely lead or, or kind of um, uh, support that idea that he, he's a little out, out of practice. He's, he's, he's more a uh, Kenner figure than power of the force, if you mm-hmm. will, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, Noah, after this uh, refusal of the call, uh, Obi-Wan goes back to work. You know, is uh, working on that that little fish market there. Comes home, and when he comes home, his astromech uh, alerts him that there is an intruder, which is none other than Mister Bail Organa, uh, in the flesh, in person, personally asking for help here. Uh, and I just really liked kind of the poetry of this moment because obviously. Bail Organa sending a message on behalf of his daughter is kind of has this nice poetry of Leia sending this message to Obi-Wan and essentially asks him. Bail pretty much says everything but help me Obi-Wan Kenobi you're my only hope and right. I do I re- do really love the uh the poetry of of that here and then after Bail shows up Obi-Wan uh, 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 agrees to uh, help his old friend, uh, goes out into the middle of the desert where he finds his uh, buried lightsaber, unearths it as well as Luke's, and uh, sets out for the planet Dayu to begin his search for the young princess of Alderaan. And that ends, thus ends, Noah, episode one. Wowie. I mean, what a... What a really strong start, honestly. I do I, yeah. I do think that there's there's going to be strength all the way through. This is short enough to not have a lull. Um, there's enough intrigue here to not have a lull. I've been thinking a lot about kind of the way that other shows have kind of taken their course. And mm-hmm. I think this has already established itself as something very different, very succinct and very methodical and planned. Um, yeah. Such a good episode, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely different than what I was expecting, especially in regards to the Leia stuff, because I kind of expected this Jedi, the Benny Safdie kind of character, to be that thing that Obi-Wan yeah, yeah. Uh, sacrifices himself for. But honestly, I really like this a lot more, this idea that, no, the his mandate is the twins, and nothing is getting in his way besides that. You know, Well, not to mention the fact that you know his ideology right now is 
the fight is done. We've lost. Yeah. Um, you know, and a random Jedi rocks up and says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Yeah. He's going to be like, well, it's been 10 years. Oh, crack my might, knuckles. Might Let's as get well. Back yeah. Into this. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it, it is something that's much more important than just, you know, the survival of the Jedi. It's, it's the, you know, the fate of the fate of the galaxy, you know? Yeah. It also reminds me of that moment in rebels when Ezra comes face to face with him and he's like, we need your help. Like you need to come help us. And Kenobi's like, dude, come on. Like you're the fourth guy. <laughs> you're the fourth guy this week. Who's asked for my help here. Okay. Right. Uh, here's your bags. Here's your EOP. And, uh, here's your, you know, I'll get your Uber ride home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, thus ends Noah episode one, which takes us to episode two here. We got about an hour and a half uh, hour and a half into this so let's maybe try to uh let's keep it under three hours that's my so that's my hope do it. let's see let's see uh obi-wan is uh pulling into uh the planet dayu on his uh space greyhound i gotta say i've said it before i'll say it again i love when star wars is public transportation it's like I, my okay fa- i did like my think favorite. about this i did think yeah. about this i was mm-hmm. like okay coruscant yeah, that makes sense. You know, they mm-hmm. there's just so many ships. They're flying all over the place. They're going everywhere. You, you're, if you're going to get a ride to anywhere in the galaxy, you're going to find it on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was like, how did Obi-Wan, like, did he have to, like, did he have to do, like, a layover to get from Tatooine to Dayu on this, like, on this one random, you know, train yeah. or whatever it was? Yeah. And there, you know, or is there one port that's, like, Nonstop Tatooine to die you all aboard. <laughs> get your tickets. You Obi Wan just got a really great travel agent. You know he flies Expedia. Uh, okay, just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious if he's like made multiple stops, or I would imagine, or if it is like a bus tour. It's like you can hop off if you want, but this one is if you stay on, you'll go to the well, kind of end destination. Speed, I'm just saying. <laughs> better, better. Um, Noah, after uh, Obi Wan um, arrives on the planet Dayu, something that we've seen a lot in the uh, marketing material. Don't know about you, but I thought it was just very well realized as far as the technical side of things the volume and all of this that was the moment where that and alderaan was where i was like dang man with each show Dayu or uh, the the volume continues to impress me to the point to where i go back and watch season one of the mandalorian and even then that was a, pre- a technology that was so impressive but even then i can clearly see an improvement yeah. and even see growth in just a few short years yeah the the uh, kind of the the ground level of Dayu, I think, is the most impressive because you get a couple shots of like, well, here's the here's like the main street, here's the cityscape, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ground level is so 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 lived in. Um, it does have the same energy as like the uh, you know, the the what's it called, the cable knit sweater fishing planet uh, in the Mandalorian season two, where like yes. you get there and you're like the background looks awesome, I love it. But we're like on the docks with a bunch of Mon Calamari and yeah. Aqualish. Yeah. And, you know, the the environment there feels so tangible and deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's 10 times so here with Dayu um, because it does feel like the street goes on forever. And it feels like kind of the encounters you would have if you just walked a straight line. It would yeah. just be like, well, that guy's that guy's chewing on a rat. That guy yeah. over there is playing cards with a monkey. That yeah. guy over there is, you know, talking to himself in a puddle. It's just, sure. you know, just all these crazy encounters that are like, 
you know, this world is really, really full. I think it's the fullest that a world has felt um, on the volume so far, honestly. Yeah, I think something technical that I just have not really thought too much about is with something like Coruscant, like Attack of the Clones, for example, you can't really have like wet floors. Oh my gosh. Because I you know, I know. You can't like, you have to key all that out and you'd have to, cause it'd be green reflections in there or blue reflections in there. But with this and the volume, you can do whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. those reflections, you don't have to key out. They're part of it. Like they, I don't think the, um, uh, the, I, I don't remember what the word is, but like the displacement that where the map is and the, there's a, a technical word for it. Um, as far as like the, when the perception changes, yes. like the background changes, I, I forget what that word is, but I feel like that stuff doesn't matter as much. Um, and so you are able to have this wet ground, which is if you were walking the streets of New York would be similar. You've got steam and all this kind of stuff. So the, the ground or rain or whatever you, you have, which just makes the world feel more lived in, feels tangible. There's dirt and grime and muck and mud and and you know and uh and water and rain and steam and all of these different environmental mm. things that we are, would expect to see in a metropolitan area like this and seeing those neon signs like reflecting off of all the surfaces i just it looks great it's like a very technical thing but it goes a long way no it goes a very long way especially i know exactly what you're saying because i was like this puddles on the ground in between the bricks and you see that and it's like you can imagine stepping over them or stepping yeah. in them. Yeah. Um, it's definitely it, and you now that you say it, like it makes me it makes me think of like the lower district of, of Coruscant. And yeah, some of those things feel to me like they are really, really accurate representations of concept art um, mm-hmm. that didn't fully make it into the full environmental kind of um, representation of itself. Mm-hmm. Here, that's completely different. So I'm yeah, loving and, it. And I think nobody uh, would love the technology of the volume more so than George Lucas. That guy was, I feel like he's like, now you guys make this. Yeah. Like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. now that I'm not making movies anymore. But uh, love the look of Dayu. Uh, really hope to spend more time there, if not in this series, than um, others. Because I think this is a really cool metropolitan planet. Uh, and I also love when Star Wars is big cities. And that's I, I love that. So I uh, definitely hope to uh, see more of that. But something that we do see on the planet Dayu as Manobi one is walking through the streets of the planet he runs into I'll, I'll set it up a little bit better when he's walking on the streets of the planet Dayu he hears uh, someone from the shadows say uh, uh, can you spare a few credits for an old veteran holding out extending out their clone trooper helmet and it turns out we've got an old grizzled bearded long haired shaggy looking like Alan Moore uh, Tamara Morrison, who is uh, in his 501st armor, uh, who seems to be uh, homeless, begging for change. Uh, don't know about you, but that got a big pop with the the group that I was with and just several, you know, uh, seeing Tamara yes. Morrison was uh, in this was very, very exciting. Yeah, I, I was shocked i heard his voice and i was like no way oh, yeah. oh, you know yeah. um yeah. and also with the phase two helmet love it oh yeah um i i can't help but put on my tinfoil hat for stuff like this and you know maybe it's just the way that media is but like i don't know do you think there's anything more to this character to this r- seemingly random clone um because i, I like to think that there needs to be an explanation for the fact that this clone trooper isn't like 
Hey, spare a coin for a spare a coin for a veteran. Hey, wait a minute. You're a you're Obi-Wan. You're a Jedi and pops him right in the head. Does he not have his inhibitor chip? Does it like burn out after a certain amount of time? Is Order 66 over to the clone troopers like if there are clone troopers left, are they like, oh, crap, did we really just do that? You know, what's, I don't know, what's the story there? Do you have any ideas? Well, the inhibitor chips throughout canon have been varied in effectiveness. They've got yeah. people like Rex who are really able to fight it for a little bit. You've got members of the Bad Batch who seemingly are able to make their own decisions, like Crosshair, for example. They're like, no, I've got mine, but I was able, I was fully conscious with a lot right. of this. Or, you know, they removed certain ships at different times, or some do seemingly wear off at other points. So I think the inhibitor chips are. Uh, it's kind of relatable in that instance to where it's like, yeah, it's technology. It's not perfect. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I do kind of like that. Um, but I think it's, it makes sense that this is a clone trooper who maybe, you know, initially feels like when you say execute order 66, that personal connection that you have with these Jedi kind of just goes away. Oh and you don't yeah. Have, you, it's just like target like no that's my friend it's nothing like that it's just it's uh you are my enemy and i'm going to defeat you uh, and it feels like that mandate maybe wit does wear off a little bit after you know after a while or uh, eventually kind of fades away because we also see the the troopers uh in tandem with uh inquisitors a lot in the comics which are if uh, there's a moment in the darth vader comic where there's a a Jedi who survived order 66, who reignites the execute order 66. Yeah. And, uh, the clone troopers turn on the inquisitors as well. So by the mere fact that they work with the inquisitors, that would lead me to believe that it does kind of maybe lose its potency, if you will, after a while. Um, but I don't think that this is, uh, some people were like, Oh, that's Rex. And I was like, what? No, No, Um, I think it is obviously a five Oh first trooper, but I just kind of like more of what that means for Kenobi and like that, that character is chosen specifically because this was a tool of the empire, a very person who helped destroy the, like the epitome to what Kenobi fought for in the Jedi council. That was his home, you know, in the heart of the Republic Coruscant. And this was an agent of evil, whether or not they knew that was the case, whether Kenobi knows that it was an inhibitor chip thing. I'm going to say probably not. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he does know at this time. So maybe he's just like, yeah, here's some money, man. All right, bye. Please don't kill me. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what Kenobi is thinking in this moment here, but I just do love the idea and the uh, importance of the 501st armor and him coming to, you know, uh, yeah, it would almost be maybe not more uh, impactful or whatever, but if it was the like a uh, Cody's battalion or something like right. that, you know, seeing like a, an old ally or, or something, maybe that might be a little too on the nose, but I do like the idea that the 501st, an agent of this direct active evil, the same evil that we saw at the first moments and scenes of the, the prior episode is now here in front of him. And just like Kenobi has been cast aside because of yeah. the evil of the empire. You have no utility for me anymore. I'm done with you. Get out of my face. You know, I really like that. Right. I like to think that, you know, you might be right. Maybe, uh, maybe Obi-Wan doesn't know how exactly order 66 worked or how mm-hmm. it happened. <clears throat> but I like to imagine that, that Obi-Wan at least knows, you know, this guy was also a tool and yeah. he has now been discarded, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I really like that there and the 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 importance of all of that. But also seeing Tamara Morrison was great. And I got so to meet good. him this morning. Super, super, uh, uh, super nice guy. I didn't I didn't mention that scene there, but uh, I hope we see more of him in the series because I, yeah. I think that would be really exciting. And I anticipate that we just might. Uh, no, after this moment here, uh, Obi-Wan continues, uh, wandering the streets through the, uh, planet Dayu when he is a port, uh, approached, excuse me, by a woman who is, uh, selling drugs. <laughs> She's selling some spice. Uh, once again, Obi-Wan Kenobi is asked to buy drugs. That seems to be, uh, he, maybe he just gives off does that he, vibe. Yeah, does he have that face? They're like. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold Found on. Found my mark. Yeah, I don't know what Got it is. Got him in the bag. Uh, that guy definitely does drugs. Yeah, but as we know, uh, Kenobi says, just say no, and instead asks for some information. Instead, uh, the uh, young spice dealer is uh, really of no help and kind of just gives Kenobi some like complimentary drugs. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, you know, it's like uh, me at Celebration handing out these buttons. By the way, if you guys come see uh, see us, come come, come come say hi. I've got buttons for you. Uh, but she is giving out buttons as they well. They don't have uh, drugs in them. Yeah. The buttons no do drugs. not. No, no drugs. No drugs at all. Don't even don't even try it. Um, but uh, yeah, so this uh, young woman uh, kind of disappears, hands them this bottle. And uh, we then uh, are introduced to this um, young child who who meets Kenobi here and says that he knows of a Jedi that will help him and take him to the the right place for almost you know the right price. Uh, and it is at this time where we cut through this spice manufacturing breaking bad style kind of plant here which i thought was just really interesting kenobi's got like this uh this rebreather on here uh which are where we meet uh kamel nanjiani's character haja who is uh kind of posing as a jedi to help refugees uh, uh get off world and off planet here using faux jedi mind tricks and 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 you know uh, force poles and all that kind of stuff with with magnets and all of these kind of things uh offering uh to help this uh mother and her force sensitive son uh offers him safe passage to uh Corellia, uh which i just was that was great. You know, we were wondering what Camille oh, yeah. Nanjiani would be uh, in this uh, in this role here, and I thought that this was such a funny, interesting character, and something that I'm just like, have we seen a character like this before in Star Wars? Because there's not a lot that come to mind here. No, definitely not. And I think what's great about it is um, we talked about how it's like, okay, we see a little shot of him, and he's wearing what looks like Jedi robes. But we were we were like, ah, it's not like, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not quite, quite right. It's yeah, it's like we're members right. of the five hundred first, being like, yeah, the you know the fabric's a little off. Well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like he's wearing this thing that looks more like a bathrobe with a hood. Yeah. Um, it's like got like a fuzzy lining on the inside, and he's like he like found it on a shelf and was like, this looks just like. Jedi robes and somebody is like he, he I bet is, you could pass he, for a Jedi Haja is all of us when we find a hood that's like a little big and we can whoop, all over our head you I know, had a brown hoodie yeah. I had a brown hoodie that was a men's large when I was 10 uh, for that exact reason yeah we we've all done it again it's like it's that and then picking up a long cylindrical object and being like like that's yep. that that the the hoodie is step two to uh, being a Star Wars scamming fan. people out of money though it's not step three that's just it's that's just step. a Camille Nanjiani thing not step three but I yeah I thought this was a real uh, kind of subversion of expectations 
because we we've seen characters who are not Jedi but are attuned to the Force uh, in different ways, like Chira Imwe. Yeah, it's kind of funny to see the other side of that of somebody who's like, I use the Force, but. I lie and I'm not using the force. I use it to like make money in my own advantage. I, th- I thought that that was and using it as kind of like a front of like, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm helping refugees and all of that. But it's like, yeah, but you're scamming people and you're lying to them and, you know, uh, uh, jacking up the price to a premium because you're a Jedi who's, you know, using the force. I thought Camille was perfect for this role and really brought a lot of uh, a lot of humor to this part here. Absolutely. I do. I do hope that we will see more of him uh, in the future. It's hard to say right now, yeah. but I do hope that we'll we'll get a little bit more of Camille Nanjiani. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after this moment, uh, Obi-Wan is not so fond of, of Haja using the uh, the the force, if you will, to his uh, to his um, own advantage there and uses the uh, the blaster that he is has under his belt to uh, threaten Haja. Um, great seeing Kenobi using a gun. I like it. I don't know why. I, I, <laughs> I like the fact that he doesn't like guns and he's kind it's of very forced intimidating. To use them. I'll say that much. Very uncivilized as well. Very uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obi-Wan kind of, uh, redirects Haja to the same spice, uh, manufacturing facility that we saw, uh, earlier, uh, and eventually kind of, um, gets into this skirmish with these uh, thugs uh, throwing this uh, this bottle that was given him earlier on the ground like Batman <laughs> uh, man a puff of smoke he's gone yeah, it's like and a escapes. yeah I loved that and eventually finds Leia and uh, persuades uh, her to come with him uh, they make their uh, way into the uh, streets of Dayu, uh, uh, evading Reva and the other Inquisitors, uh, while the Inquisitors are also kind of having this uh, infighting in, the, in this conflict going on uh, between the two of them there. Reva is certain that in uh, stealing young Leia, it is revealed that uh, that will uh, draw Kenobi out of the shadows and he just won't resist because she has this information that uh, Kenobi served with uh, Organa in the uh, Clone Wars, which she is very wise and very uh, uh, cunning to do that, devilishly so. I, I really like that plan that she has there, using the kind of the Grand Inquisitor's methodology there of like, oh, they can't help it. That's that's in their nature. I love that she, they they weaponize the things that are like tenets of a good Jedi. They're like, how can we exploit that? Which is just like pure, pure evil. You know? Yeah, and it's definitely one of those things that you as an audience member are very excited to see because... Um, obviously we know that Leia has much more importance than just, Oh, well I can use this random person to get to Kenobi. Obviously it has much more importance than that. So we know that the inquisitors don't, it's just a matter of like, is this going to come to a head? Is like, is something going to be found out? What's the deal with that? Obviously Revan knows, you know, that Anakin's last name is Skywalker. If there's any connection that goes back to Owen and Luke, then that's an issue. Um, you know, that those sort of things are hanging in the balance. And I love yeah. that. I love that idea that, that, you know, the inquisitors are really just playing one side of the field and it's just a matter of time before the rest of the field is opened up. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really, really good, um, kind of structuring of what may or may not happen down the road. Yeah. It was, it was also just great to see kind of this, this, yeah, a very dark side sense of 
getting what's mine and everybody else yeah. can kind of fall by the wayside. Very rule of two of what can I take from somebody else to kind of get what I want. That's like very dark side. And Reva is, I it's, she has a unique kind of, it seems more personal as opposed to like, Oh, Vader's going to love this. I, you better watch out. I'll be first grand inquisitor after long. I think some of that is there, but it feels more. I am owed this. Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I love the fact that she's, you know, that they have decided to do this original character with clearly some kind of background. Um, it's not just, yeah. Oh, well, it's all your favorite inquisitors. Maybe a couple new ones that are just, yeah. you know, they look really crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it, it's, it's much more important than that. I'm excited to see where that, yeah. what that turns into, you know? Yeah. And then uh, after this uh, infighting there with the villains, we also have some infighting here with the heroes between Kenobi and Leia, who quickly discovers that the reason that they are being hunted by these inquisitors is because Obi-Wan is a wanted man, uh, very much so by the, the Empire, in fact. So she kind of suspects uh, some foul play potentially uh, here as, as Kenobi may be uh, luring her into a trap. Is he also trying to take her? So she flees Kenobi, which leads into this big chase, multi-level through the streets and buildings and rooftops and leaps and birds and blaster bolts and Forlom kind of is, is there. Is it not, Forlom? Uh, I, don't I don't know. Is it not Yoshi sure. from the live Super Mario Brothers movie? It definitely was. Everything that we've been talking about to this point leads to this moment right here because I got to say this. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because this right here, you think I'm kidding. I saw this man, this thing. (laughs) I saw this creature that is straight up a dinosaur with a big gun. Yep. And I saw that and I said, that's why I love Star Wars right there. He that is one so... of the many reasons why I love Star Wars. He looks so dumb. Well, looks uh, uh, so yeah. goofy. I'll say this I much. love it. I, I am so loving the fact, and we got a little bit of this in the uh, in the Boba Fett gallery episode, that they were like, we designed so many <laughs> new creatures yeah. that yeah. we just have this backlog of like, of yeah. what Doug Chang's and, just got a, a binder in his office of yeah. like B list aliens we haven't used yet, you know. And that's the thing for for these shows, they just keep making them, and it keeps working. Like there's a couple yeah. there's a couple creatures on on Dayu that when, I remember when uh, when Obi Wan first gets in, there's like there's a shot of all these people walking in the crowd, and there's these two creatures that are shaped a little bit like Claude. But they look like they <laughs> yeah. look like uh, like Japanese lantern paper that's just wrapped yeah, up into they, a tube. They look like small versions of like the sandworms from Dune. Yeah, you know, just like yeah, I, I know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Everybody at my party was like, "What the fuck are those?" Yeah, I literally was like, <laughs> "Um." Who is that? <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah, they're like those um, like little slinky toys or something like that. I have no idea. They look like the paper straws when you like crinkle it up before you pour the water on it. You know, <laughs> look like those just, guys. They're, yeah, very they just stretch out. Yeah, very very odd. But I, I got to tell you, big dinosaur with a big gun. That's that's good stuff right there, it man. Sure that is. is that is some good stuff i want that action figure and i i wish i was kidding like that is that's yeah i want to know what his name is i want to know so bad i want to know so but no i can't tell you i wish i was joking around i'm like 
might be one of my new favorite aliens in Star Wars. <laughs> big dinosaur with a big gun, bounty hunter. Are you kidding me, dude? dude? Garrett's over here like, boy, the cantina, the cantina members are they're pretty iconic, you know. When is Gentle Giant going to make a figure of this Yoshi <laughs> oh looking God, ass? Don't <laughs> even tempt me. And I just like it makes me mournful because like Back in like 99, you know, you're getting action figures of Rick Ollier and all these <laughs> like, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. And uh, white guy see with this. a bowl cut. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. I, I want this guy's action figure. If this was power of the force, he would have he would come with like a little com chip and everything like, oh, my gosh, I, I got to know this guy's name. He's he might be one of my new favorite Star Wars weirdos. He's a big dinosaur. Let, Doesn't let me try look to like look anything else. Let me try to look it up while, while, while you spinning continue. Your, well, spinning my wheels. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like you look at a lot of Star Wars creatures uh and I, there's been this complaint recently. It was like, why don't we see any more like legacy creatures, which I f- fundamentally disagree with. I think we see a, yeah. a good mix of a lot of them. Like we see Zabrak in this very episode, which was very exciting to see. But I love that this keeps that, that kind of trend going, especially you mentioned the cantina to where it's like, yeah, it's a wolf. That's it, man. <laughs> like that guy's a devil. Like you just kind of look at some of the stuff. That guy's a big praying mantis. Like yeah. this guy is just a big dinosaur, more so than like Bosk. He literally looks like a raptor with like a torso and arms and just carries a big gun. I got to know what this guy's name is. And I'm telling yeah. you right now, I, I, I am not finding anything for this. Wikipedia, um, you better get on that this instant because I, I have yeah. to know what this guy's name is. Because I looked up Obi-Wan Kenobi episode two, Dino. And what came up was a photoshopped picture of like some of the guys from uh, from like Land Before Time with also like Chris Pratt and the Velociraptors from Jurassic World. That's so good that's good stuff. Yeah, I got to know. I got to know. I need a figure. I need a plushie. Uh, give me something. Give me something here. Uh, but yeah, after this moment, Noah, we see the entire kind of uh, this little bounty hunter guild here uh, going after Kenobi to where he has to use his wits. He has to use his blaster. What's up? I, I did find something, uh, <gasps> what is but it? not enough. Uh, Den of Geek has has posted some Easter eggs. Uh, for one, they did say that uh, it is not for Lom. Uh, this is a new assassin bounty hunter. Oh, His name is One Jack, uh, One G A C. That's great. And they said, but what we really Maybe want to know Jacques. is who is <laughs> One Jock. <laughs> uh, they they said, but what we really want to know is who is that dinosaur looking assassin guy. Heck so yes. they don't even know. Heck uh, yes, yeah. That's it. So yeah, I, I've got to know. I've got like this this Trandoshan minifig lego that i bought at celebration and i need somebody to like mod this to look like that guy because i'm looking at him right now and i'm like oh man if you were a, a, a velociraptor <laughs> if you were a dinosaur with a repeating rifle we'd be in love i would if that was the star wars hunters character are you kidding me that's yeah just no notes good stuff good stuff um anyway noah from there we get a blaster blaster fights ensuing some uh hand-to-hand combat fights obi-wan is not doing great uh can't even beat a couple of bounty hunters it takes him kind of a hot minute he's getting punched in the face taking a couple of right hooks left and right i'm like dude you good luck against darth vader man you can barely hold your own against a couple of street thugs 
uh, and Nora catch a, a little child uh, who leaps off of a building, uh, seemingly plummeting to her death. I don't know what she was thinking there. Maybe she thought she could Toby Maguire that and just, uh, you know, jump to the other side, uh, kind of fall short of, uh, you know, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenobi uses the force to uh, lower her very safely to the the ground. Uh, they uh, kind of reunite there. She eventually sees that, uh he 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 did save her and uh, he is this kind of man that he says uh that he is and uh kind of uh redeems himself in her eyes uh at this moment we kind of catch back up with the inquisitors the grand inquisitor is back uh, uh and uh is not too pleased noah with with what's going on not too pleased with reva but also this bounty hunter group uh and puts a very quick end to uh flea who uh he, you know, shined bright in the Star Wars fandom, but didn't last very long here. I did want to ask, uh, in motion, uh, we got a couple of moments here. Grand Inquisitor, we don't have to get too much into it. Looks better, looks worse. Looks like, amazing. Looks, looks amazing, so much better, right? Dude. Looks so much I'm, better. I don't know. We Yeah, obviously we don't have to, like, speculate about what that may be, but legitimately, like, I think there were a couple times over the course of the two episodes where I was like, he looks so good he looks so good i was worried about the glowing eyes that was like a big thing for me they're not like glowing but they're there he's got like yellow contact lens i noticed that like in in a certain part there's like a bit where they like kind of get a little bit brighter i wonder if that's something that they do intentionally yeah, I'd maybe have in to post imagine. or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's certain shots where I'm like, his head looks fine. Like that's a like, how, well, how much bigger do you want it? You know, looking like uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd from Coneheads there. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think he looks great. There are a couple of shots where I'm like, yeah, it's just I, I just think it was the shots that they had showed. He just didn't look great. But there's some profile shots, especially, and you get right in on those those uh, big yellow eyes that he has. So I was a, a really big fan of that. Um, Noah, after this, uh, Obi Wan and Leia are uh, once again reunited with Haja who promised him safe passage onto a cargo ship. Uh, Kumail's character is, uh, takes this full on nosedive into this Jedi character and, uh, confronts Reva and, uh, uh, commits to this character to where she knows that, uh, He's not a Jedi, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could you could really uh, tell that uh, he's he's kind of hamming it up there. Again, but I that, admire that, yeah, that the, thing with you know, kind of her being like, "You're not even fooling me for one second. I can yeah. sense what you're thinking. You know that yeah. sort of thing." Yeah, I, I I do admire the the bravery of Raja in this moment, to where he sees is like I'm. You know, he's not a fully evil character. He's using uh, the manipulating people and, and lying to them to get more money and get what he wants. But then he's also kind of like, I see the importance of the Jedi and I recognize like the, the, the power that you guys have. And I'm going to potentially sacrifice myself to kind of keep that light withstanding, which I, I thought yeah, was admirable. There's, there's an admiration there. I do think that, you know, even, even in his mischievousness, he's basing it off of something that, Clearly, he admires, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, the Jedi abilities to do things, the sensibilities to to be helpful to people. And he's legitimately he legitimately is helping people, whether or not they, you know, are paying him to do so. He is legitimately yeah. helping people. So right. it is something that feels like he's like, no, really, this is this means a lot to me, which I really like, you know. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, I hope that is not the last that we see of Raja. Uh, he has left the, uh, you know, uh, lie another day because Reva uh, infiltrates his mind, similar to how uh, Kylo does to uh, to Poe in The Force Awakens, tries to do with Rey. Uh, she is able to kind of steal his thoughts there, interrogate him, leading her right to Kenobi and Leia, to where uh, Leia reaches this cargo ship, uh, we have this uh, wonderful mother, uh, excuse me, wonderful conversation beforehand about Leia's mother, of course, Padme, to where Obi-Wan is like, you just remind me of somebody. God. One, one of the many moments in the Ugh. show that I was like, I need a box of tissues. Oh, I man. am crushed right now. That again, like, and that's what I was alluding to earlier was just that I, this idea that like obi-wan had a friendship with padme as well yeah. um it yeah. was not just like oh well padme's with with anakin like no anakin yeah. and obi-wan were together all the time and yeah of of everybody like obi-wan understood padme the best because he also understood anakin the best yeah um and that there shows you know kind of the he's like well i really i really cared for this person and not to mention he was there when she died so he yeah. has that he definitely has that connection and you know watching over luke is probably more painful to him on the anakin side of things obviously you're going to get that idea of of padme more now that he's kind of creating this bond with leia um i'm excited to kind of explore that a little bit more you know yeah, me too, and uh, it's also just kind of warms my height, my heart seeing this connection between Leia and and Padme and the, the performance of this this young girl and how she's able to embody a lot of those and also kind of makes uh, Natalie Portman's uh, and Carrie Fisher's uh, you know performance it bridges the gap between the two of them yeah and how you're able to to see this connection and real see this uh, uh, this sense of lineage there people talk about Luke and Anakin all the time but to see Padme and and Leia to see that connection it's like no they. They are mothers and, and, and daughters uh, just as they have just as much of a connection to each other as Luke and Vader do. Uh, so I just love seeing that explored here. And then also Padme is, is recognized in Star Wars media, which uh, just puts a big smile on my face. Uh, right. Yeah. Anytime that can happen, especially in a live action television show like this is uh, just the best. Um, no, after this, Reva eventually finds the two of them. Uh, Obi-Wan tells Leia to uh, go to the ship and leave without him. Obi-Wan stays behind, uh, pulling out his lightsaber, prepared to uh, use it against Reva. Uh, Reva, who is taunting Obi-Wan, uh, uh, trying to lure him out, uh, tells him that his fear is is uh, the thing that portrays him. And uh, similar to kind of what Obi-Wan tells uh, Anakin about Padme, actually, uh, right, which I the, thought was... Uh, um, in, in Attack of the Clones, kind of that, you know, your your thoughts betray you, your feelings betray yeah. you, that idea. Um, she is much more in tune with, you know, sensing those things than he is right now. It makes me wonder about these kind of like hiding chasing things where she comes you know she goes in there and it's not like she's like i wonder if i'm talking to an empty room like she's like <laughs> i she knows she's yeah. like i know where you are i'm getting closer you know yeah which him. is scary to think of and you kind of are like okay obi-wan now would be a really good time to get back connected to that thing so you can yeah. kind of hold your own in case something <laughs> happens yeah well he does pull out his lightsaber as kind of like a last resort and i was just wondering at this point i was like okay are we going to see it is he going to ignite it uh but he takes uh, kind of refuge behind these crates here 
where uh, Reva uses this information, officially revealing it to Kenobi as well as us, the audience, of when exactly did Obi-Wan Kenobi find out that Anakin still remains uh, and, and Darth Vader still remains, tells him the truth that Obi-Wan did not kill his former apprentice. In fact, he uh, just kind of uh, uh, withstood this terrible trauma and and failure that still haunts him uh, now today. So what did you feel about this big reveal? This is a big canon moment. feels like one of those things that has been uh, not necessarily lacking by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just, it's crazy to see moments like this. And it's like, I'm seeing this on television. This is a huge moment in the Skywalker saga. Uh, between characters who are the some of the most central figures of it. Uh, what was your, kind of your response to this pretty landmark reveal? Well, I think again, it's setting up it's setting up a complete story of you know answering these questions without the direct consequence being like, oh, well, we have to do this to answer the question. It's not how these things are playing out. They're just answering the questions because we're actually exploring this time. Um, And I feel like maybe people will still have questions about it and be like, well, you know, had, had he not heard of Darth Vader while he was on Tatooine for 10 years, what was that like? My understanding maybe is that like Darth Vader is probably not as active, um, you know, after he gets brutally just decimated and then has to get pieced back together like Humpty Dumpty. Um, I, I do think that, you know, Obi-Wan, again, we've, we keep talking about this. I keep bringing it up, but like Obi-Wan losing his connection to the force. I don't yeah. think that he can feel Anakin out there. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of times we see, you know, Leia and Luke and Vader are like, they're just sitting there and then they're like, well, hold, hold on a second. What was yeah. that? Oh, I felt yeah. that, you know, Obi-Wan's not there anymore. Um, he kind of doesn't have that. He doesn't have that ability to do that. Of course, he'd be closed off from, yeah. from you know, being able to sense those things. And maybe he just, you know, the life in his cave and his job, maybe they just don't talk about that kind of stuff. I don't know. So yeah. I, I kind of, I, I feel okay about this. I really do. I feel like it answers enough questions. I feel like, you know, for the people that, that say that there's maybe still some things dangling in the air, you're not going to be happy with anything. So this is it, you know. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with this moment. First and foremost, I just want to compliment these actors, especially oh my god, uh, Moses Ingram as well as uh, Ewan McGregor. In this moment, is just like Ewan sells this incredibly well. Uh, communicates so much by just a look. This idea of shock and fear and sadness, like all at the same time. He doesn't even this. look like himself. He, yeah. He's his face is so like contorted that he's yeah. just yeah the look on his face is like how do you even feel about that you know yeah yeah it's this idea of like be feeling so much at one point this idea of like this person that i love is alive and he's still there but then also like my failure withstands yeah and it's perpetuating and it's causing pain in the galaxy actively <laughs> beyond just reva and the sense of failure but it's no it's actively out there causing pain firsthand to people so like just so much in that moment as far as like from an actor perspective but then also a character perspective as well i'm i'm very excited to see obi-wan confront these things i also just love this um 
I'll hold this off because we, we have we do have one more moment. But I I love this idea of of what um, Kenobi's first words are oh, when yeah. he hear, when he oh, hears yeah. this. I I really love all of that. So I I want to kind of pause that thought. But um, after this big reveal, Noah um. We get uh, the the this this hunt is kind of uh, put on pause a little bit because the Grand Inquisitor uh, kind of uh, steps up to the plate and he's like, "Hey, Reva, what's going on, man? Like, I'm, you, you keep insisting on this Kenobi guy being around here, kind of uh, scolds her for losing track of this person that she's been looking for, uh, looking uh, for so fervently here." Uh, and uh, in the process, uh, actually causes her to lose track of Kenobi, <laughs> uh, which is kind of ironic there, um, who uh, essentially escapes uh, onto this cargo ship because of the Grand Inquisitor, which is just, uh, it's, it's, the Inquisitors often in this, these first few episodes get so close without even knowing it, which is, which is kind of just as an audience member, it's that sense of irony, the dramatic irony of watching everything. And it's like, dude, you just kidnapped a Skywalker, Mm -hmm. like one of the new hopes. Like you had no idea how close you were. Uh, you nearly killed the, you know, the other one's, uh, uncle. Uh, so it's, it's just crazy to, to see stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, at this, time, Noah, this is kind of a contentious thing in star Wars fans right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reva ignites her her blade and impales the Grand Inquisitor right in the stomach, in the abdomen, that general kind of torso area. Um, let's pause there before we get to this next moment because uh, I, I have some things to to say about yes. this. But yeah. um, the Grand Inquisitor dead? Not dead? Was that not the Grand Inquisitor? Is Rebels not canon anymore? What's your reaction? My reaction is um, they they know this like Mm -hmm. you and I know this and Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, wait a minute. Uh, if you and I know this, they know this. Okay. (laughs) That we know how the grand inquisitor, how his story really ends. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, I'm thinking my, my first reaction was like, that dude's gotta be pretty strong if he's going to stand back up after getting stabbed right in the tummy. Like Mm -hmm. if I got stabbed in the tummy, I'd be like, Oh, that's oh. what those that's what those tums are for. Exactly. I'd be like, oh man, that's a tums ain't gonna fix that. <laughs> um, but that was like my first reaction. I was like, well, that's that's kind of silly if I'm imagining this and it's like the next episode, he's like, he's like, ow, you stabbed me. And he just like gets right back up and he's like, that was really uncool. Just, like, you're out ah, of the group, you know. Ah, yeah, do do like the <laughs> the family yeah. guy thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I see this as like the Grand Inquisitor, like we've talked about, is not the he is an oppositional force, but he's not the main oppositional force here. Um yeah. in my head, it's like, okay, Grand Inquisitor is gonna go sit on the bench in a back yeah. to tank, set right up next to Darth Vader's. Um, and he's gonna be like, Oh, that that jerk Reva, I'm going to, as soon yeah. as I get out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so I, I think he's, you know, somewhat indisposed, probably not fully indisposed. Um, but like you mentioned before, we've not seen much else, uh, and in, in trailers or anything after these first two episodes. So yeah. who the heck knows? But I do think it'd be odd to include him so heavily as this intimidating force in the first two mm-hmm. episodes than to say, well, 
he's not really the main thing they have to be worried about. I do think that it sets up really well the, you know, kind of in conflict between Reva and the rest of the Inquisitors. I did have a feeling um, previous to this coming out that there was going to, you know, that Reva was going to be kind of this not necessarily rogue Inquisitor, but she's separate from the rest. She definitely is. And her character is mm-hmm. designed that way. And um, there's no way that that's not intentional. So I think that that sets it up nicely for her to be like, let me just kill this guy. Let me get this guy out of the way. And he's yeah. like, actually, I'm going to go take a bath and then I'll be right yeah. back and I'll absolutely cut you to pieces. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I am... I had some initial like, wait, wait, what? You know? Yeah. Um, but I think that I've worked through it on my own. It, it, in no way did it make me be like, well, they don't know what they're doing, you know? Yeah, same. I There's there's like small cannon stuff. Like actually, Ahsoka's lightsabers were green post uh, Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. like, why are they blue in season seven? Stuff like that. It's like very small kind of, you know, not, not that it's not important because I do think there is thematic importance there. But this is a big moment, man. Like season one of Rebels, like, come on. Like that, the death of the Grand Inquisitor, spoiler alert, I suppose, um, is is a, a, a big moment for that character. So you're not going to include him and just be like, wait a minute, he's dead? Like, yeah. <laughs> like they know. Also, also anybody that is like, oh, I'm going to watch Kenobi, but I never got around to watching Rebels, but I want to know about this. Anybody yeah. that's, that is in that camp has gone on YouTube to watch a video about the, the Inquisitors, <laughs> yeah. and sure. they're like, and here's what happened to the Grand Inquisitor. And he now died. everybody is going to be like, wait yeah. a minute. you know? Sure, exactly, yeah. Um, but I also think that it's, it's interesting. I think that Reva kind of does the same thing that the writers of the show are doing. They're like you're too big of a threat. You're getting in our character's way of having this conflict and this emotional journey. Let's get you stabbed. So you just have to be on ice for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Like, I think that that's interesting. They, they kind of professor X him a little She's bit. She's the goon. She's the goon of, yes. of, uh, of Obi-Wan. Yes. Uh, to, to, to allow her to go on this kind of emotional journey here and not have the grand inquisitor every episode be like, you're too reckless. You're too whatever. And just like continue to hound her about that. Uh, I think it does one a lot for her as far as showing her ruthlessness and her cutthroat ability to, you know, strike anyone down who gets in her way, gets in her, in her way of getting what she wants that, you know, raises the stakes for her. Um, but also it, it, it allows us to really ne- be narrow focused on her and not to worry about, you know, all of these other inquisitors and, and all of these other threats. Um, makes sense for me as far as like the, how he is alive. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, this is the same <laughs> universe to where Palpatine can be thrown down a shaft and explode and Maul can be cut in half and, uh, Anakin can lose most of his limbs and be lit on fire and still alive. So, uh, still be alive. So, uh, and, and Fennec Shan can have her entire torso removed. Uh, so maybe, yeah, maybe Thundercat can make another appearance and ooh, be like, ooh, ooh this yes, dude, please. this dude looks bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix him up real good. And then like, yes, please. you know, just throw in some pipes and some pistons in there. I would love that. So say no more. We get a Thundercat and a giant dinosaur with a gun and Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> my favorite Star Wars ever. Yes, please. Um, so after this moment, Noah, we get the kind of the moment that I was talking about earlier. Kenobi is now with Leia on this transport with the knowledge of Anakin's survival. They board the ship. Uh, and in this kind of final moment of this episode, he just says, Anakin. And then we cut to back to tanked 
submerged Anakin Skywalker, who is scarred, portrayed by none none other than Hayden Christensen, uh, with a rebreather on, uh, accompanied by that iconic Lord Vader uh, breathing sound there. So... Lots to unpack here, Noah. Uh, first real look at Hayden Christensen in this uh, series here. Uh, what was your response? Was it a fist pump thing? Was it a like a scared thing? Was it a shocked thing? Like what were you what were you feeling there? It's definitely not one of those like oh this is so badass. It's yeah. not. It's like oh crap. This is yeah. like this is real. This is getting mm-hmm. very real. I will say this. Maybe it's just the way that the water kind of displaces the image, but that dude looked really chunky. He looked real <laughs> thick. I think it was kind of the situation of the um yeah, kind of the water when you're like underwater, it makes your head look wider or yeah, something like the, yeah. the way the light hits it. So yeah, I don't think we're going to get like thick Vader. I, no, no, of I course think, not. I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he does he looked a little bit like um like Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two where, yeah. you know, he's not even in water and he you mean kinda, book of Boba Fett. <laughs> no, no. The Mandalorian season two and a half. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah. no, no. When he, when he shows up and he's like pretty, he's pretty round. He's pretty rotund. You know, he's mm-hmm. like barely fitting into that Boba Fett armor, kind of like I Mr. Incredible. I love um, it. Yeah, no, I was this, you know, just this flash image. I was just like, yeah, that's that's some serious business that we're dealing mm-hmm. with here. That was kind of yeah. my my reaction. What about you? I th- I thought it was this really kind of heartbreaking moment of upon learning about this Anakin or uh, Kenobi's first reaction to this is not silence or or fear. Or it's saying like Anakin. Like I thought it was this really profound character moment to where it's his kind of just like my friends out there. And He's maybe calling I can, out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I can go to him and maybe I can help. And uh, which uh, we've talked about before, I think he is going to be of a place of like, maybe I can, I can get through to him and eventually realize, no, he's gone, which is what he tells Luke later on. And Obi-Wan once thought as you did, we've had whole episodes on that. Um, I think that that is kind of what that line means to me, but I love the editing choice to have Obi-Wan say, Anakin and Reva's, you know, Reva says like, uh, your greatest failure or whatever she says is still alive. And they cut to Anakin who is submerged in this back to tank, missing limbs with a rebreather on. Yeah. It submerged in liquid medicine, barely clinging to life. I love that kind of juxtaposition of like, Oh, your friend is alive. Here he is. You know, like I love that kind of image there of just showing us this, husk of what we used to know of Anakin, somebody who is completely unrecognizable as this Um, and being able to see Hayden's eyes as this character is just something. It was just like, it's been so long. So to see him back in this role was just uh, so, so exciting. And it also, you know, gets me excited for next week. I'm like, we're going to get some more Anakin stuff because, you know, the the seal has been broken, so to speak. So hopefully we get some more, uh, maybe Anakin, some Vader uh, content there. I'd be very excited yeah, to see that. I will say I am leaning closer towards maybe we won't get any flashbacks of uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan at all. Um, oh, really? You think I, so? I, I am almost... Like I'm like 90% leaning that we're not going to get any like Clone Wars flashbacks or anything that we haven't already seen. We've we've obviously seen previous stuff. It's all been from the movies, you know, things that have already happened that have already been filmed. 
yeah. I don't think that we'll get new, like fresh Anakin content. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put a stake in the ground. Uh, well, I'm going to resurrect your stake because I'm very, very confident that we're going to be getting some Clone Wars flashbacks. I think getting a, a Hayden back and Ewan together, you've got to do. Well, you've just got to. You've got to we'll do see, some old we'll uh, see who's right. stuff. We'll see who's right. And uh, if I'm right, this guy. if I'm right, you have to uh, you have to buy you have to buy me in and out and ship it here to Indiana. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then if yeah. you're right. Uh, what do you want from Indiana? Do you want Penguin Point or uh, God? Be- no. Come on, <laughs> you want BK, B and K? Yeah, ship me the worst hot dog you can find, please, from BK Root Beer Stand. Just kidding. No, ship me some Pizza King pizza. I'd love that. Okay, good uh, call. The way USPS has been recently with those buttons that we got, I could, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it around uh, the winter solstice. Uh, so yeah, hey, I get it. They're low staffed. Whatever you know, the world and disease and uh, uh, poverty, all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, Noah. Um, any final thoughts here, Obi-Wan Kenobi, first two episodes, any, uh, big predictions, what you're looking forward to next week? Are you just excited to be going on the ride and, uh, just can't, uh, you, we don't know. No, no, pretty much no more footage after this that we can kind of base our thoughts on, uh, other than we know where it ends up. Uh, we know where these characters end up and where their mindset ends up. So that kind of somewhat telegraphs what we'll see eventually. But yeah. next week, what do you anticipate seeing or what are you wanting to see? Well, I think my my like hopes or expectations for next week, um, I don't want to say hopes because, again, even when I was starting, you know, when when I set up, like I had my Popeyes, I had like my Cherry Coke, I had everything all set up and I was like, okay, we're getting into this. And I told Rachel, I was like, I've been a Star Wars fan for as long as I can remember. And for as long as I can remember, I've been waiting for something like this. And it's actually here. And like, I like started it and then I immediately paused it and I was like, I just want to make it known. I'm not placing expectations on this. I'm not putting any pressure on this. And I still have that, that feeling that this is, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited for. And I don't feel that, you know, like, what if it's not great? What if it's not this? What if it's not whatever? I think, when I think of like hopes and expectations, I'm like, well, what would, what would I imagine the story to be? And, you know, sensibly where would this go? And that sort of thing. I think in my head right now, um, I, the thing that I'm like nervous about as a star Wars fan, because, you know, nervousness is a a key factor in any kind of star Wars content that, that comes out. I think the thing that I'm nervous about the most is, I'm wondering like, okay, the cargo ship that, that Leia and Obi-Wan are on is not taking them back to Alderaan. Obviously, um, it's going to a brand new place, place we've never heard of before or seen before in live action. Um, and I don't want to devolve into like, we've talked about kind of the, the planet hopping flavor of the week. Um, you know, and now this week, these bounty hunters are after them and they have to go, you know, that, that sort of thing. I don't see it devolving into that because I know the writers of the show are way too smart. Um, Deborah Chow is way too smart. Ewan McGregor is way too smart for, you know, to let something like that happen to a show like this. It, it is going to be contained and whatnot, but I don't want to spend too much time yeah. jerking around on, you know, like, well, we can only make it to this planet. Then we got to do this thing before we can get you to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't foresee that happening at all. Um, but like my brain is wired to worry about that kind of thing at this point. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I I think I share that weird kind of push-pull of like, this is so incredibly important to me and I'm very much so looking forward to this, but also it's your story. Do whatever you want. No pressure kind of thing. You know, it's kind of this weird, like, I'm very open to the story that you want to tell, but also like this character is incredibly important to me and it's a story that I've imagined for so long. Um, I think big picture, broad stroke kind of things. I just want Kenobi to continue next week to wrestle with this idea of Anakin and how does he respond to that? Is it mm-hmm. one of hope of I can get through to him or is it one of fear and failure of what if I fail and I can't get through to him or how does that idea of Obi-Wan's failure continue to haunt him? But it's even more active now. It's not just a sense of like, I failed my friend's dead and oh, you know, what was me? But it's like, I failed my friend is gone and he is out there causing pain to others. Now I have to step in and do something about that. That's really interesting to me. Um, and I also want Reva, I'd be curious to see if she's going to kind of reconcile or have to ha- face these ramifications. Uh, Cause we keep hearing of like, you're reckless. You're doing this, this, and this. I'm curious if this is going to kind of catch up with her. Yeah. Or maybe she has this force in front of her that she can't just stab in the stomach and move on maybe it's vader maybe it's something else i'm curious to see her kind of reconcile with all of these things or it maybe have to answer to vader for yeah. what she did is like you killed my first chair guy now you got to step up now you're the saxophone player you know all right mm-hmm. you know like let's see what you do or maybe vader is not going to be uh too pleased that she just kind of killed his number one draft pick there or, or presumably the you know yeah. put him out of commission there's no way that he's going to be happy about that. But, um, yeah. I will say kind of thinking in that, those terms of like, well, how's this person going to reconcile with these things or what, what's their mindset going to be after this? Yeah. Um, I would like to separate from something like the second sister mm-hmm. where, you know, once she's realized that she's beat, she's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And then Darth Vader comes in and she's like, Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have maybe, uh, you know, right. I, I shouldn't have maybe showed my hand and, and showed weakness and done this and sure. that. And, um, I, I do think she'll, you know, it, it will be somewhat separate from that. But, um, even still, I think with the way that the, that these character beats turn out, um, like you said, it could go a lot of ways, but I think I'm fine with like any way that it does go because I feel mm-hmm. like those things can be written in and, and it feels like it's a solid piece of one thing, you know? Yeah, I uh, am very much so anticipating seeing uh, where this goes next week. It's weird that next week's episode will be pretty much halfway there, uh, which as far as storytelling is concerned means it's probably going to be a pretty dark episode. So uh, looking forward to not looking forward to that. Maybe they'll continue to twist that knife and just show even more Order 66 stuff too. Uh, Maybe also, you know, the the, the, let's just show Satine dying too. Let's just continue to make us as sad as possible. Let's go on this this, like it's a small world, but we're taking a tour just through the saddest moments in Star Wars. That'd be really terrific if we could just do that, please. Yeah, that's Um, uh, that's how we're going to that's how we're going to live our lives for this show. Uh, speaking of uh, shows and, uh, and, 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 and things, Noah, episode three coming next week, Star Wars Celebration. So uh, trucking on, we will be back on Monday to talk about all the news and, uh, and, and such for all of that. Wednesday, we'll probably, maybe, we'll see how much news is going to be dropping. Until then, I could see us just doing maybe the, the Kenobi episode. A little treat to ourselves for Wednesday for having such a busy week. Uh, but I think that does uh, just about does it here. I'm going to go collapse in my bed. Oh, I'm so exhausted. Yeah, it's, it's almost 3 a.m. here. Uh, 
What's unfortunate is like about 20 minutes ago or so, I got my third wind. I could see that you were, you're definitely fading because uh, oh, yeah. you've had a you've had a much longer day than I have, and I got my yeah. third wind, and I was like, I could do this podcast for another hour. I'm waiting for my uh, first wind to come on in. So <laughs> I took that Red Bull, and I was like, this better last the whole time. And I'm like, nope. You guys can probably tell in my voice though, but I'm ready to go to my own little back tank. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll hopefully no hallucinations or nightmares or anything like that of Tuscan Raiders and, and things. Just uh, some sweet dreams. Hopefully, That's the so. Hope. That's that the hope. is that's the real hope right there. Uh, Noah, why don't you go ahead and wrap it up and take us home, buddy? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at Scum Villain Pod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge and Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>